Welcome to the bonus episode. This is an episode that you paid good money for. Welcome to the bonus episode. There are no refunds. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the August Patreon episode of Divisive Issues. And I think it's time to kickstart Edgelord August, right guys? Yeah, you bet. Good 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 choice. <laughs> This, uh, coincidentally, is kicking off Edgelord August. We didn't pick it specifically to be edgy, but you know what? Why not? We're going to talk about some Tom King Batman. <laughs> you know, we had such a successful run of him so far. We got Do you know what's funny, actually, is when you guys recommended this comic, I was reading it, and I, halfway through, I'm like, this is the same fucking Heroes in Crisis <laughs> shitty writing that I'm used to. And I looked up and I'm like, ah, lo and behold. Oh, you didn't know it was Tom King before you I didn't know. In. I'm reading it and I'm like, this is literally the same <laughs> ass dialogue. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's we're, Heroes in Crisis dialogue meets Flashpoint plot. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're That's covering <laughs> Batman, the Rebirth Batman title issues 45, 46, 47, titled The Gift. All right, so this, this, is, this is back when Tom King considered good. This is back when he had all the uh, the whole role on the side. He had, like, uh, New York Times saying how good his run was and how nuanced yeah. it was. And uh, so this is, like, uh, five issues before the wedding. Uh, yes. Fucked everything up, and uh, everyone started hating him, finally. It's funny because... Uh, uh, Ryan told us about the story saying, oh, this run started going a bit downhill after Booster Gold went back in time and killed Batman's parents. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, so I remember I, I I was really loving King's Batman up to this point. So this is like 40-some-odd issues, and in modern comics, that's a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like pretty into it, and I remember reading the story and being like, that was weird. I don't think that was very good. And I went to a signing that Joe was doing, you know, old uh, friend of the show, Joe. And I started talking about it and I was like describing the plot. And all of a sudden, Joe and I had this realization. They're like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, cause I think like, just cause I was reading it like monthly, like spread out while I was like still reading like Mr. Miracle, which like is, is a pretty universally praised Tom King book. And like, it didn't sit with me just how terrible it was until I was thinking about it later. I was like, yeah, maybe this run is like, I don't know. This, this was like his first miss. And in like the six months after this, everybody I know turned on this book and was like, this book's really bad. In, now. in our group chat, I had compared him to that. I feel like Tom King's becoming a Mark Millar for us where it's like, everyone talks about how like good they are. And we're sitting down and as we're reading the bad material from them, it's like, have they always been bad? Has this just always yeah, not yeah. been? You tell me good? people like him, prove it to me. I, I, I won't, I don't believe you like this. He's a shitty writer. Like, this, happens, this happens a lot. Like, uh, uh, I think probably has something to do with the amount of workload, like new, like new up and coming writers get, uh, there's always like this new hot writer. Um, everyone's like, this guy's the best. But then if you read, like, 90% of the material, like, after the first six months, uh, it's mostly trash. Like, this happened to, like, Jeff Lemire and, like, even Zack Snyder to an extent. Like, a lot of writers... I think you mean Scott Snyder, but... <laughs> the, the Scott, the Snyder writes the comics, like, one makes the movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But, but, I mean, like, I guess it also happened with Zack Snyder, the film guy, too. <laughs> uh, the, the guy uh, we talked about for... Uh, uh, Death of X and Death of Wolverine. Charles Sewell. Yeah, Carl Sewell. His best writing was like his first 
She-Hulk book, and everything else has been kind of mediocre for that. Like a lot of times, mm. it happens. Like a writer will write one book, and they'll get be given a lot of other books, and they'll never be as good ever again. Yeah, because I think I think sometimes when you jump onto the scene, like you write stuff that is it's your your new voice at the time, and people can be like, mm-hmm. I really like this aspect, like the way Tom King like mumble his characters keep like mumbling and talking on. It's like it can work if it's done for certain characters. Where like that's really cool how he does this, but then when you're reading it from Booster Gold's mouth, you're like, stop, stop this. Don't yeah. do and this. And one of the things, one of the things too, is I think when new writers come on, it's a combination of they're put on more like D-list books without as many concepts to juggle. Yeah. And also they're uh, they're not as given as much free reign because like editorials, like you know, we don't want you coming in and like messing up Superman right away. So like Tom King was on Vision, and the book was like huge and groundbreaking, and like did all these radical new concepts for Vision. Same thing with like Mister Miracle. But then when it's like let's give you the keys to Batman, sometimes then people, a lot of writers are like, "Ooh, I'm gonna tell the Batman story I've had in my head since I was 12." Yep. You know, where not as many, not as many 12 year olds are like, I can't wait to write about the Vision. Yeah, even, even nowadays, Vision is still not like even though. I'm like, all the characters show up in the movies, he's still like a, a Z-lister probably. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't buy a Vision comic. Yeah, <laughs> me either. So we're gonna get into the gift, which is. Oh is God, it... I don't even want to. <laughs> no, uh, you have to. Bad. <laughs> we, we were arguing. Oh we're, we're recording 52 after this. We were arguing over what we want to do it, and 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 Ryan and Dad was saying, "Oh, this will be fun." While we have Phil yeah. on my side saying, "No, this is painful. Let's get out of the way." Right no, but now. now now it's gonna sour me on 52 because I'm like, "Fuck Booster Gold. Fuck this comic. Fuck DC." Too bad. We're getting it. So, okay, it opens. It opens with a very heartfelt scene, right, Daryl? That immediately gets us to Wait, love our character. You have to you have to talk about that ad before it even starts. See the cover. You have to see, you have to see the cover. The covers are very important to this fucking setup. It's yeah. fucking yeah. Silver Age style covers. It's Batman saying yeah. Booster Gold must die over the <laughs> yeah. Gotham oh. City blow. So you're like, why does he have to die? And then what ad, Phil? The Flash one? <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the like second page is like, there can be only one fastest man alive, and it's two Flashes fighting, and I'm like, this sucks, and then Ryan's like, oh, that's actually a really good comic, Flash War is great. The best, the best Flash comic since 2007, right, Ryan? Yeah, probably. Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> anyway, it's Oh, God forbid there's two characters. We have two non-fans on the show, and people aren't confused. It, it starts with a really... <laughs> Great scene of just Hal Jordan talking to Booster Gold, saying like, "Hey, guess what? You want to see me kill myself with my ring? Check this out." And then he does it. <laughs> yeah. And and the dialogue again is like, it's if you listen to our Heroes in Crisis stuff, it this writing is always just like s- snarky, crazy people just saying like, "Huh? You won't dare me? You do dare me? Huh? You want to see? I'll do yeah. it." And then he just shoots himself, and he's like, yeah. "You need a lot of will, right? I have a lot of will." Set this and, fragment. Set this fragment. Over and yeah. Over again. yeah. And then Booster goes, "That was intense. Seriously intense." But you know, also admittedly, a, a little bit. Or kind of awesome. I was like, what? <laughs> Hell, Jordan literally killed himself in front of you. <laughs> like, what? It's it's so, like, that, what? How, what? <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing about like Tom a... King's writing is, I, I think, like, Booster Gold's supposed to be mentally unhinged during the story. Like, that's clearly, like, an intent. But his writing is so shitty. It is so hard to get across immediately whether a character is just really stupid Really unhinged, or uh, I don't know, just trying to be really snarky. No, no, it's everyone in this world, and at least in these three issues. I know he's trying to set up this weird alternate reality timeline thing, but like everyone talks the same exact way. Yeah, but I think I think, so, I, I think they're, they're all supposed to be different, like 
we're talking the same way exactly for different reasons. Like Booster's very yeah. scattered because I think he's mentally unhinged. He's but, very scared. But so similar to people who are mentally healthy in the story that makes no fucking yeah. difference. <laughs> yeah, it's also so dumb because if Booster's supposed to be like mentally unhinged, this is the first Booster story in a while. And like Tom King is supposedly, I guess, setting up Heroes in Crisis here because he references this story in Booster's plot in Heroes in Crisis. Yep. But like... So then why does this story exist? Because if Booster's already like this, then he doesn't have to do this to set up Heroes in Crisis. It's to show so, like, how far I, he's fallen. He's willing to I kill Batman's don't. parents. It, it, makes, it makes me wonder if in the beginning Tom King makes it that he wants to be like he starts as dumb and then he gets unhinged and starts to turn like crazy as it goes on. No, that's, he's crazy immediately. Yeah, he's, he's, he's saying um, yeah. Green, Gat- Green Lantern killing himself is cool. But I'm saying also, like, yeah, that that's... The, it, maybe the intention was to have it look dumb initially and then turn into like psychopathy whatever it's supposed to be it's bad <laughs> yeah i'll also question I'm, I'm assuming this is the first time booster showed up in this run too oh definitely yeah what oh, a fucking really? terrible idea oh terrible. wow I, I assumed he'd been set up as crazy for a bit now and been yeah that, that's that's no. that's what that's that's what uh blows my mind because we were like this is a great way to enter batman uh, imagine reading batman the story about this guy in gotham city and then seeing this time traveling superhero say i just killed your parents and now i'm going to kill your parents again or something it's, what the fuck yeah booster's appearances have been very very scattershot for like years mm-hmm. now so like this is pretty much like out of nowhere uh, anyway 52 yeah. it just won me over to him too. <laughs> the premise the premise of this these three comics is basically booster has gone back in time he saved batman's parents and then he went to the future because it's what you like, have to say he saved batman's parents as a wedding gift to batman yes oh yeah batman's getting married to catwoman just fyi he explicitly call calls out the name of the story this is like a i guess like inversion or something of an Alan Moore Superman story called. It's, an edgelord, it's like an edgelord version of an Alan Moore. Yeah, Cause, already cause, an edgy Alan Moore writer. Yeah, because <laughs> and and Booster exposits this later on. But the premise yeah. of that story, and it's like one of the most beloved Superman stories ever, mm-hmm. is that Superman is like infected with this parasitic plant that makes him think that it's like his perfect world where he's on Krypton that never exploded. And through that and being with his family, Superman realizes that, like, this perfect idealized version of this world that didn't exist couldn't ever exist and that his life is better for being able to help people on Earth Mm -hmm. than being just another citizen on Krypton. And it's, like, this, like, character-defining story. So Tom King's like, what if we did that for Batman? But Booster's lesson that he learns is, I'm going to go back and save Batman's parents so that he realizes that the world would be better if they were dead. (laughs) Yeah, because the world needs a Batman, essentially. Yeah, and also, uh, we bring this up and explaining in detail. This is all explained in one page. Like, if your dog, like, got hold of your copy of this comic and ate that page, <laughs> you have never have any idea what's fucking happening in this comic. Also, yeah. that story came out, like, 30 years ago. It's, like, not necessarily something a new fan would know. Yeah, yes. I also really hate, hate, hate in every shitty time travel DC event we've read how much you save these parents and <laughs> what happens effect. to this world no it's it's more than butterfly like it's like the, the like it's like oh well the dinosaurs didn't get extinct so then yeah, the, it's like, the whole yeah. integrity of the, like I said fucking flash the whole integrity of the DC universe depends on flash's mom dying his mom <laughs> dying saves everyone like it's so gotham is so bad in this alternate reality <laughs> that everyone be, is becoming the joker uh, batman yeah, not is not just gotham not just gotham uh, the, the penguin world. is the president of America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Russell Bull rules Eurasia. Yep, like yep. he rules both Asia and Europe. I'm like, how did not like he's not strong enough to fight Superman? Somehow, <laughs> like, somehow, uh, Batman's parents stopped Europe and Asia from becoming one mega continent. No, country. Bat- the implication did. is that's that Batman, Batman did. did. 
because no, but, they, but, they, but like there's a Batman universe, but the fact that it's not Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah, it's Dick uh, Grayson. Fucks up everything. <laughs> it's Dick Grayson, and you're like, how did how did Dick even become Batman? He's not scared of bats. Yes, yeah, <laughs> this, this, this yeah. is why Flashpoint was stupid too. There's like this weird uh, assumption of DC now. I always assume Batman was a very personal character decision for Bruce Wayne, you know, yeah. his phobia of bats and stuff like that. But no, yeah. apparently there's an aura around the Wayne family. <laughs> yeah. Anyone related to them that makes anyone become anyone Batman? Related. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like a faded thing, like like fucking uh, whatever crisis we read where they're like, there's always going to be a Luther and there's always going to be a Superman. <laughs> yeah, they're always going to hate crisis. each other. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we're, it sounds like we're just throwing these things scattershot. That's the way it is. They yeah. will just in a dialogue be like, President Cobblepot is is fighting Al Ghul's Eurasia. Like, yeah. it's just like here's a dialogue dump. Here's some concept ceiling. And it's like it's like a dystopian hellscape where there's like every... a Joker virus going around yeah. that's Jokering people. That's <laughs> that's why Hal Jordan killed himself. Yeah, he was Jokered. <laughs> <laughs> and also, they, they they like they throw in how dystopian it is just through natural dialogue with people at work being like, yeah, some Joker was murdering people on the bus, and we all pulled out our guns and tried to shoot him, and we shot other people. No. <laughs> That's life. Step this lady in her face. It was gross. She was screaming. I was going to use my gun, but another guy had his out first. Then he shot the Joker a bunch of times. He also shot this other lady. I think it was by accident. Thanks, Tom. This could be literally any Tom King character. It's like <laughs> yeah. the third time this month. It's stupid. No. And it's some guy in a cubicle expositing was... this to Tim Drake, who's never in the it's story. It's literally Tom King. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is Tom King. Oh, yeah. That's why I was like, okay, so this world's messed up because not Robins aren't even Robin. Anyway, we see so Dick dumb. Grayson as Batman. He shoots Booster Gold on a roof because Booster's waiting at the bat signal for him. And he's just like unhinged. Because everyone knows the thing about Dick Grayson is Bruce Wayne is the one that softened his <laughs> yeah. edge. Yeah. Well, you have to say his best, his great dialogue. Die. Uh, Move and die? <laughs> oh, no, he says, uh, you're a superhero in my city. You, well, you could be jokered, so I'm going to kill you before you're jokered. This is like the, this is the best writer of DC at the time. Oh, and also, God. what's great is the like the I really enjoyed the dialogue between Booster and and Skeets and like uh, the Omac stuff and whatever. Yep. Here and, and, and in Fifty Two, where it's like, yes, sir. It's like that was brilliant. Tom Tom yeah. King used to stop buying fucking humor. He is not fucking funny. He's <laughs> this this. I actually cringe while reading this fucking book because yeah. I, I felt embarrassed for Tom King. Like he's right? like yeah. you're Booster's like you're a nag. He's like I'm not a nag. I am just. And then he's getting shot. And he's like you are nagging me right now uh, while I'm being shot. And he's like I'm not nagging. And he's like nag nag nag. And, and like literally, Batman's trying to kill him and uh-huh. then he's like we should get yeah, a cheese- running joke uh Skeet says I say we should get him a cheese tray and Bruce was like he got matches he a cheese tray and Skeet says I don't know perhaps he needs to cut the cheese <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah. Oh, then, oh yeah no, best, best best Booster points it out and Skeet says no please Booster you're above that and Booster says am I uh, cutting the cheese yeah, then, and then uh, Booster starts sticking his tongue out saying, Bruce Wedding, wedding night, cutting the cheese. I love you, Bat. Oh, yes, I love you, Cat. No, so... Like, this is a dialogue. <laughs> oh, We're not fucking God. exaggerating. That's not me making no, shit it's, up. No, it's supposed to show how unhinged he is. <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, anyway, uh, Batman and him fight a little bit more, and then he flies away, and he's like, I have to go find... Batman and Bruce Wayne instead of Batman now. And this is yeah. the main the main thing we get out of these scenes is that Dick Grayson as Batman is so edgy and and he uses a, a rifle and he hangs people up he has by grenades. like nooses yeah. and just to talk for a second. Skeptical Dooku seems to be on the bottomized. <laughs> is he a character from Tom King's wrong? 
Wait, who? Dookie. There's a black ki- a guy named Dookie. Oh, Duke. Duke is a is a Scott Schneider character that he's actually great. He was like one of like part of the Bat family at this point. But like, it's just he has brain damage for this one page and is never mentioned again. I know. I, I bring it up because like, what the fuck? Like, it's, if you don't know these characters, you're like, what? Oh, there's so many. There's like Jason Todd is selling electroshock tires and gets arrested for killing kids. Like, yep. there's all these cuts of just like why? I love. It just shows how bad it is if he's not. If he's not Batman. Anyway, Bruce Wayne's dancing with his mother at, like, a ball. And then uh, Booster Gold crashes through and he goes, hey, Batman. Skeets is like Bruce Wayne. He's like, hey, Bruce Wayne, I got you a present. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, so the situation tr- tr- here is really weird because it ends with Booster Gold breaking through the window. Then it comes to uh, Talia and Ra's al Ghul fighting, like, doing each other. And for, she's no like, for no reason. For no reason. Yeah, no, that's just establishing nothing. And then no, no, get? it's to establish that she's... How not he's like, kiss. give me an air, and she's like, I'm not having an air because she has an air with Batman, and since she's never met Batman, she's never gonna have babies with anyone ever. Does that matter for for the sake of this plot? And then what do we get? Yeah, we get a nine panel grid <laughs> of Booster expositing about his feelings, but this time yeah. it's to Bruce Wayne instead of to Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, this is why this is why I was confused because um, I thought he was doing this in front of the wedding party. Like the transitioning was so weird. Like a, a page transition is not enough yeah. to really establish. This, 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 also, this like, time. why would Bruce Wayne go with this guy into yes. a back room? I, yeah, this I, is, I, this I, is like, this like a series of events happen between a random guy breaking into your window and you go to a back room with him privately. I feel like the page transition stuff is like a that's a Tom King staple. Like he likes mm. doing just one page of something and then flipping to another scene or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he talks to Bruce and he's like, he lets him know that he he saved his parents to show him how bad this world is if he's not Batman, so it should be good that his parents are dead. And Batman's like, I knew that there was something wrong. I had, like, visions of it. And then he's like, anyway, I love my parents, so he smashes with a, yeah, a fire poker. He smashes skeets and he's like, get out. It's like the classic scene in Batman 89 where he's like, you want to get nuts? Yeah. Right? Let's get nuts. Cool. It's a cool homage. <laughs> uh, there's another cool homage coming up. <laughs> It would be cool if he actually said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he smashes Skeets and he's like, fuck you, Booster. I'm going to go hang out with my parents. Yep. Next issue, it's a year later, and Booster decides to go break out Catwoman out of Gotham Penitentiary, or like the asylum. Uh, one thing important to note, Catwoman does not have any dialogue for the rest of this book. She, she just does. says meow. It's and meow purr. and meow and meow. My, big pro- my, my problem is not with that, because <laughs> the dialogue is clearly here to establish that she's unhinged, and Booster's too fucking obsessed with fixing the world now to, to realize it. Mm. My problem is that she's drawn really sexy for someone who's clearly insane. Yeah. <laughs> you can have sexy, insane people. I know, but like, <laughs> the, the, the basic competence of, like, if you had a movie, like a horror movie, like, if, you, if in the movie... Movies ever have to look sexy, right? But yeah. they always have like makeup or something to make it clear like this character's unhinged. Like yeah. there's a visible audio cue, but she looks like she's Catwoman and she starts putting out leather outfits and looking and being in sexy poses. Also, she's been in a straight jacket in an asylum for presumably like years, and she has her hair perfect and all perfect her makeup mascara. done. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. like there's visual cues to convey a character's insane. This this comic, there's only panels, no dialogue. You couldn't tell at all. It's just like yeah. Catwoman's here. It's yeah, really and shitty. we immediately get this exposition that uh, Batman's dad like had her committed to like take her out she's of the picture for some killer? reason. So <laughs> yeah, he had. She's a serial killer that he had locked away forever, and someone's still here, like keeping her, you know, super pretty looking. And then like we get immediately get a bunch of cuts of like her in underwear. Like it's weird. It's pajamas, kind of. And it's, it's Booster Gold just exposing to her. It's like, hey, guess what? Batman loves you. 
We'll show him. Oh, these. and then Tom King fucking jerks himself off and recaps his own previous story, where mm. he's like, "Yeah, there was this story that like love fixes everything with Harley and Ivy." Tom King wrote that. He's great. It's <laughs> such a great story. Oh, I thought it was just like <laughs> I, 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 I love yeah. that stuff because whenever Tom King explains like one of his plots, it always sounds so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> the world was taken over by uh, Poison Ivy, and they had to get Harley. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, he, uh, because love finds a way, and all you have is love, and love is here to say. And then Batman will see that, and here he can't, but there he can. He has to, or he will. So it's clear, it's Booster's, like, beard keeps growing out, too, so he is getting, like, crazier. And then we You can, you can have... have a beard and be not crazy. No. We get a shot of, of Calvin looking so... <laughs> No, it's because his beard's so unkempt. Yeah, he, oh, he okay. each issue, he gets a, a more unkempt beard, and he gets skinnier. Yep. Oh, I see. So it's reverse sexism. The men are allowed to get unkempt. <laughs> the oh, yeah. And so, he, so they have a full <laughs> splash page page of... She's basically wearing Michelle Pfeiffer Calvin gear now, like, yeah. to try to, like, trigger Batman's, like, subconscious love for her. And this is what I mean by her being oddly sexy, because she's just showing her ass to the viewer. And, like, if you, <laughs> yeah. you show this panel out of context, you wouldn't know, like, she's insane or anything. It's just, like, uh, She's Calvin. also eating a mouse. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird to bring back the Michelle Pfeiffer, like... Catwoman suit for this. I'm like, this is purely fan service. There's no legit. Other than maybe it's like, if this was well written, I would I would buy it because Cat Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman was like the only version of Catwoman if she was actually mentally ill. But like the story is so shit that like doesn't use that at all. Like basically, he just says like you know Blue Beetle, my best friend Ted Cord could sew, could sew and we would fix each other's costumes. But I can't sew. But I made you this costume. Yeah, and, and like, he also like, says they they all died. The super people, the Ted, the Ted's <laughs> dead. I was like. Because I, I having read that story now, I'm like, this is your way of servicing it by just having him say, "The Ted's dead." <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> oh, poor Ted. Blue Beetle. <laughs> also, like he says, he can barely sew, but I feel like making a perfectly so fit, good. skin-tight leather suit is difficult. Yeah, I, I, I assume they yeah, found. Yeah, Fiverr had fucking costume designers working on to make it fit around her, <laughs> yeah. and, and not I thought she was gonna be wearing like rags or something, but it's like yeah. a full superhero suit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Batman comes. He's chasing after them. And He's saying, Booster Gold, die. Catwoman, die. Wait, Batman's dad has a heart attack. Yeah, his it, dad It doesn't matter attack. because he he ends up getting <laughs> killed anyway. Oh, yeah. And I, no, I think it was a fake out to make it seem like Bruce will Bruce, but also, he never does. Yeah. Spoilers, he never does. And it's so, it's like, the, there's like these filler panels that I don't understand. Like, the doctor's like, uh, Wayne family, if you'll come oh, with yeah. me. And she's like, what's wrong? And he's Bruce's like, just mom. follow me. And she's like, we don't, yeah, Bruce's mom. And she's like, we don't follow anyone. We're the Waynes of Gotham. You will tell us. And he's like, uh, he's fine like why would it why it's a whole page <laughs> yeah and uh, there, there's, there's a seed of there's a seed of some potential here um in terms of human psychology because uh the idea is that ba- basically the world's going to shit but bruce and his family are like the world is trash but we have each other and that's all that matters yeah we're like we're so, like, richers like we'll survive this so we and are that's a, all that's that a, matters that's a, and that's a common sentiment to humanity that um, look out for you and your own and yep. fuck the rest of the world. While Batman not having a family made him uh, more Care about everyone in the city yeah. that didn't have families and stuff. It, it, it comes yeah. across really weird to me, though, because we're supposed to, like, I think we're supposed to buy a little bit into, like, that Bruce loves his family and his life so much that he won't sacrifice it. Yep. But every time we see his parents, they come across as, like, really egomaniacal total pieces of shit. I, I yeah. think I think these are, these are purposely supposed to be fake outs to make you think that mm. there'll be a turning point, but there yeah. never is. So it's just, just oh, wait, okay. but, but it feels yeah. like wasted pages because of that because so, this comic is so fucking short. So Batman mm. is chasing a uh, Dick Grayson. Batman is chasing Booster Gold and Catwoman. They fly over to the Wayne Estate 
where like uh, Bruce Wayne's hanging out with his mom and dad, and then Booster Gold goes, "Hey, everybody, guess what's coming? Meet cute!" And he unleashes Catwoman in. She goes up and slits, like, cuts Alfred's throat and kills him. Which is fucking weird because she didn't do that to fucking like she didn't even try to do that Booster. Like, <laughs> why? Because... She hates the Waynes. I think she hates. Well, Booster does have a force field, so who knows? I guess this was fake out the reader, like cheating yeah. as a fucking writer to not show that he was trying to kill Booster before this, but yeah. he yes. probably could have gotten away with that. And, and Thomas Wayne uh, reveals that he closed the orphanage she grew up in so she would be locked away forever. <laughs> it's weird. Oh, yeah, so this means in terms of hierarchy, Harley Quinn is greater than Booster Gold, but Booster Gold is greater than Catwoman, so that, keep that in mind. <laughs> Harley Quinn could go through his force field, but not Catwoman. Yeah. yeah, so Catwoman jumps on the dad and starts murdering him, and then Batman <laughs> shoots Catwoman. Batman, and then, not Bruce Wayne, but yeah. Uh, Dick Grayson. Dick, Dick Grayson. Grayson shoots. And then you get like a nine panel page of just everyone killing each other. Batman yeah, like, I, I, I love how fucking, like, it's so fucking, like, just edgy for sake of edgy. Because Batman comes in, he shoots, like, he's like, he's been around killing superheroes. Like, they established that he'd been killing superheroes for a while. Yeah. He, he walks up to Catwoman point blank just so she, she can cut off his fingers. Like, why is he so fucking stupid all of a sudden? Just so the plot can continue to kill people in the story. Bruce yeah. Wayne then shoots Batman in the head, and as Batman shoots. Bruce Wayne's mom and Catwoman, and then yeah. So Batman, ever- after all this time, Batman gets taken out by a fucking crazy woman in a cat suit and an old old family. Yep, and everyone's yeah. dead except Booster. He passed out from gas, and he's like, "Did I do it? I'm the hero. I always have to do it. I save the world." And it it ends with the panel of Bruce like yelling up to the sky, surrounded by his dead parents. But he's not a kid; he's like an old man. Yeah, not no. Old man. Yeah. Oh man, one more issue left. So one more issue <laughs> left for my parents to live. I must kill Booster Gold. Is on the cover. We got a nice throwback to two issues ago. <laughs> and it's him throwing Booster off a roof, which he can fly, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so uh, I, we haven't we haven't dealt with this enough because it's so stupid. There's so much to talk about. Um. Is Booster Gold, like, old Booster Gold in this story, or is he, like, a reboot of Booster Gold? Right? He's a reboot of Booster Gold. Okay, because I'm like, he should fucking know by now. Like, he's so oblivious to time travel, he's like, I'm going to, as a wedding gift, I'm going to fuck up the timeline just to teach Batman a lesson. So this is the problem, and I'll this I'll keep this very brief. The problem with Booster post-Flashpoint is that Flashpoint ends in the, like, the Booster Gold ongoing series, spoilers, for that, I guess, is that it ends with him being the only person who remembers pre-Flashpoint and him, like, that. Like that's how his series ends, is, like, he's going to be, like, the protector of the new timeline. For oh, the so he's going to be the new psycho pirate. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Good reference, Daryl. What a very... I get your I'm reference. very proud of you, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. So, but, like, and that, as him as, like, the Doctor Who of the DC Universe, like, going through the multiverse and, like fixing all the things was a really, really great status quo for him. And him being like the keeper of the old continuity was very interesting. Mm -hmm. But then DC rebooted him and we're like, he's really young. And people were like, so this is during the new 52 and people were like, well, which is it? And then like old booster showed up and there was two boosters. And like, but (laughs) the problem is this didn't happen in an ongoing book. They would throw it in these like one shots that were never even collected anywhere. So like at this point, I think it's just pure reboot booster. But I don't know why Tom King, if he's going to have him be this young, immature booster, which is a lot of people's defense of Heroes in Crisis, he's still talking about how, like, Blue Beetle was his friend who's dead. And, like, it doesn't make sense because also when this book came out, Blue Beetle, Ted Kord, was alive with his own book. (laughs) Like, I don't think Tom King has any idea what's going on. What's happening in comics Also, if he never was on Justice League International, how the fuck is he friends with Blue Beetle? But, yeah, and that's (sighs) the thing is, like, 
DC fixed all pretty much all their continuity, but Tom King just like doesn't get it get, because like guys, every the Ted's dead, <laughs> Ted's dead, but he's alive. But it's also reboot booster, so we shouldn't know Ted's dead. This, yeah, is, a, this, was, this is the problem with the movie uh, two in general. DC what wants to have the cake. DC wanted to have their cake and eat it too, so some stuff would still happen. Like, they still want yeah. the identity crisis to happen, but they changed so much around it that you could never read it and have it make sense. <laughs> no continuity. But the thing is, it, in Rebirth, which is when this book takes place, everything was fixed, and literally every book I've read from this era has pretty airtight continuity, except Tom King, who just keeps <laughs> fucking it up. He's the only writer that can't keep it straight, and it's so weird. They don't me. have people who, yeah. like, check and make sure that it fits Editors? Ed- ed- editors have so much less power than the big shot writer. Big shot writer. Also, if, you're, they, if you have a name and you're a writer in DC, you can make fucking Batman shit his pants and, and lick ass or something like that. Like, uh, well, Kevin Smith did have Batman piss his pants. Yeah, <laughs> but but this is but what I'm saying here is like this goes back to what we said at the very beginning is that Tom King was all of a sudden getting like this New York Times praise and like non comic fans are reading all his books and everything that I think they just let him do whatever they want. Where editors in every other book that they were publishing were like super tight about it, and it was like a big positive thing for DC it was the best era they've had in like 10 years almost and then Tom King's just like but what if I am just bad it's funny because Tom King kind of shat on that era in general with Heroes in Crisis too um. yeah uh, so, anyway, so final issue. yeah final issue it's one year later and Bruce Wayne is rebooting Skeets and but the thing is he, so Bruce Wayne wants to go back in time one year to save his parents and he needs a time-traveling robot like Skeets to do that, which Booster had, like, spilled the beans on. So he needs to go find Booster because Skeets only listens to Booster's voice, who's, like, locked in an underground cave? I, I, love, how cave. Booster, I love how Booster is fucking... He, he's supposed to be, like, malnourished because he's been yeah. kept a prisoner, but he still has fucking muscles, like, like skinny yeah. muscles. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's still... He's, and he has a huge beard. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like a built Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what's useful of this because it's it's a lot of like Booster and Bruce Wayne talking to each other. It's a lot of just dialogue of them talking. Where was this stupid line? Because Booster ends up, he's like, take me back one year before my parents died. And it's like, okay, Skeets, let's go back 10 minutes before Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. And then he winks at Skeets. <laughs> and then ba- Bruce Wayne's like, did you just wink? Uh, Skeet, why did you wink? I didn't wink. You winked. I saw you. No, no. I mean, yes. I'm like, it goes on for the whole page. You're like, what's happening? So fucking terrible. I feel like Tom King watched a lot of Seinfeld and was like, what if this was comics, though? (laughs) What if it was? So... So don't just on Seinfeld. Ryan. Oh, no. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. It works in a sitcom. Does not work in... I I don't think... Uh, uh, Tom King could write Seinfeld because <laughs> he's not funny. Yeah. yeah. So he takes him back to ten minutes before Bruce Wayne is a little boy. His parents get murdered in the alley, and he's like trying to explain to him that that was the plan was to like show you about like you know now your parents gotta die because now he'll be. Good. I love how. Like, this is the same, because I keep thinking, oh, it's a different dimension or universe, but it's not. It's like literally in a few years of his parents not dying, the whole world just <laughs> falls into absolute yeah. chaos. This is the same timeline just like, before. Like, like, remember what we talked about with Flashpoint, like, Aquaman becomes a fucking tyrannical murder, mass murderer just because Flash's mom died. Like, Calvin goes insane and does a serial killer just because Bruce Wayne's parents didn't die. Like, wow. I can't. I can't. To me, that that really, like, obviously the Waynes would do a lot of damage to Gotham if they didn't die. Yeah. No, yeah. I know, they, but like, they, they you're raging, the you're, 
the president, the fucking Joker would take over every superhero in the world. Like, yeah. Superman's fucked if the Batman's parents died. <laughs> so anyway, oh, he's trying to stop Bruce Wayne from shooting him, and then Booster Gold shows up from another timeline, right? It's the Booster I, I, Gold. I, I want to point out that people were defending this fucking article when it came out, saying, oh, it fixes the Batman timeline, because why did Thomas Wayne go to that dark alley when he could just take the street? And it says, oh, it's because when they were fighting... The, um, they heard gunfire from Bruce yeah. Wayne fighting Booster, so they went into the dark alley. Instead yeah, the way it was always intended when Bill Finger and Bob <laughs> Kane wrote that. Yeah, um, many the, the Booster that shows up is the Booster who saved Batman's parents, yep. and now they're yeah. trying to unsave Batman's parents. Like, I can't believe how much this happens in comics. You gotta unsave someone's parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did, does the timeline make sense to you? Like, how is he saving the parents? Of this so this is this is the booster who came back and was like, "I'm gonna do the wedding gift, right? I'm gonna yep. save Batman's parents." Yep. Yes. Then they went back to that time. So now the booster who already went through that shitty timeline oh. is encountering the booster who's just showing up to save the parents. And he's like, "Hey, you did it! You saved the parents. Now you're. I'm gonna. Un- now you want me to unsave the parents, right?" Yeah. And I, lost track of who, I lost track of which Booster Gold was which. Okay. Yeah, it me too. Really it's because they fucking shave him right before this. Yeah, yeah. why do that? Why? He had a clear visual indicator of who which one is which. Does, does Tom King know anything about visual indicators in comics? Does he know the no. medium at all? Anyway, <laughs> no. one of the boosters gets shot. Who knows who? It's the, it's then, the booster who showed up to save, to, who was gonna save the parents gets shot. Yeah. And then. So I, then I, have yeah. a, I have a chart on my wall where I, I outlined all this. I'm like, this guy is the ghost of here and this guy. So, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne end up getting shot by the the criminal, and then as Bruce Wayne sees this from above the alleyway, he's like, he can't believe it, and as little kid Bruce Wayne is screaming, grown man Bruce Wayne is screaming, and he puts a gun to his head, and he kills himself in front of Booster Gold, and the blood splatters on his visor. Echoing the, the opening scene. Yeah, as he says, yeah. we saved the world. So what does it say about fucking Bruce Wayne? Like, if his uh, mommy and daddy didn't die when he was younger, he'll kill himself by being too light on them when he's older? I, I, I don't know. I, it's, 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 <laughs> I think he, he spent the last year trying to hunt, to save his parents and hunt down this guy, and then I guess to see them get murdered anyway is traumatic. Yeah. It's weird because the time jumps does not make it feel like a year has passed by at all. Yeah. It's yeah. also one of the weird things with me and like alternate universe stories or like alternate timelines is that the the shadow reflection of them, like the future self or the alter other universe self never quite feels like them. It feels like them in like their darkest state. Yeah. Where they're like, I'm a murderer. But that weakens that weakens the fu- any fucking like impl- any reason for doing it because it weakens like yeah. any connection you have to this character. Mm-hmm. Like this story could have been if it was more grounded where it's like, Bruce, look, you have this great life. And, like, he had to make the choice to give up this, like, great world to have a slightly better world. It would be more impactful than, like, literally the most unimaginably evil world. Like, obviously, you have your parents <laughs> yeah. have to die. I gotta bring you back in time so you have to watch it and then kill yourself. And then the comic ends with him telling this to Batman and Catwoman and uh, doing the thing, if you listen to our Heroes in Crisis, about how his glasses can't get clean because he keeps seeing the blood splot yeah. on the old, them from The that. old Lady Macbeth. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, you see it too, right? Just imagine you're fucking Batman. If this is your Catwoman, like, if you're Batman, like, you deal with shit all the time. Like, Catwoman's relatively a normal normal character. <laughs> this must be why she uh, didn't get married to him. Yeah, he's just <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> fuck this. Like, I got time travel for the future comes to you saying, I, 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 killed, I killed your parents and they did all this shit. And now I need you to forgive me for all this shit I did. And Batman's just like, uh, like, what do you say to this? Like, how no, do, no, what, I saved your Batman... parents and Catwoman killed your parents. In that like, like what do you like? What do you? What can Batman and Catwoman say to make 
at this point, like even to, like make Booster Gold go away. Like, they say nothing. They literally say not yeah. a word. They just watch him ramble, and then he's like, "You see it too, right?" And that's how it ends. And it's like you got to get this guy help, like immediately. Yeah, yeah. He cannot. He cannot be trusted with time travel powers. Obviously. Yes, I do. Yeah, how does he? Have, how does still time travel can be without this? Like Batman should have been like, okay, booster, you know, straight jacket, <laughs> like okay, we'll be okay. No one's gonna take skis away I, from him. What? I feel like the the Patreon is a safe space for me to be a little bit more of a fanboy than usual. Sure. Uh, one thing I just want to say why I fucking hate this story so much is because from a continuity perspective, and obviously Tom King likes to reference Booster's history. He talks a lot about the Ted and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. They Booster and Batman for decades have had this really interesting dynamic and one of the reasons why is because when booster was time traveling a lot and this is going to be like super continuity bullshit or whatever but batman he uh, he approaches booster like after 52 and he says to him like i have found evidence that you have tried to like help my like people that i care about throughout history but because the timeline was set like you know that like you try to kill hitler but then something always yeah, happens you end yeah. up creating hitler yeah. and batman finds like a bunch of evidence that like booster was there to try to stop barbara gordon from getting crippled and he's like you're a good person even if you don't have the powers to actually do all the good you want to do and referencing some of bruce's uh, some of booster's continuity but then like ignoring any of the actual interpersonal dynamics why why do the story at all? I don't get it. Hmm. Do you think it, Tom King was inspired by like that kind of stuff? And it's like Booster's like, I want to try and save his parents, like because that's the big. The but go, the, the thing is, Booster was not never... a fucking character in this fucking story yet, though. Like this is how you introduce him in this fucking story. Yeah, ah. and that's the thing is, I understand that, but Booster doesn't say like. I've I've tried to do good and I failed. He keeps saying like I got you a gift. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? Yeah. Like he never actually like that's one of my favorite Booster Gold stories is him repeatedly trying to save Barbara Gordon because yeah. Ted Cord like respected her more than anything and it was like to honor him or whatever. Yeah. But like he keeps trying and he keeps failing and he tries like a thousand times or something and he yeah. can't do it and he's like beating himself up about it and here he's celebrating it like he says it's awesome that Green Lantern kills himself in front of him <laughs> like you never see any of that conflict yeah and that, that's it's, the that's the yeah. booster I like is the one that it's like he has this amazing power but he can't do anything with it type yeah. of a deal like he couldn't save Ted's life yeah. yeah, and that's much more interesting than, like, I fucked it up, why aren't you... Gr like, he fucks it up, and then he's like, I did the best thing, why aren't you grateful for yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, like Tom King wants him to be, like, so in, like, yeah, I'm just this crazy jack guy, it's like, yeah, dude, whatever, like, I'm so, like, energetic that he's, like, he's repressing every negative feeling yeah. and emotion and uh, event. And if you're gonna use a rebooted booster... That's fine to have an early time traveler trying to figure out the ways of it. Yeah. But, like, that doesn't work if you're going to mention, like, I failed my best friend who's dead. Isn't it awesome? It's funny, too, because this could turn into an interesting story that he's repressing everything. But we read that story and it was not good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, I, I can see now, after reading this, why Harley and Booster are, like, analogs in the yeah. Heroes in Crisis. Because he literally is just, like, female or male Harley. Yeah. And it didn't work for either of them. <laughs> That's and, totally... uh, and so that means uh, female Harley and... Female Harley. Harley. <laughs> I mean, ha Harley and Booster, as written by Tom King, are the worst characters ever written by any human being ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have rarely seen a writer use a character so poorly as I think Tom King has in Boost with Booster Gold. Yeah, it's unfortunate too because Booster is such an interesting character that to yeah. do this to him is, is doing him dirty.
it's it makes me so happy to hear that because I've heard <laughs> you guys so often be like, I just can't get this first impression out of my head, and hearing you be like, this is a waste of the character. Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. I, I like. It. I like Booster Gold a lot now, and reading this, yeah. I was like, what a fucking asshole writer this <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Like, oh, if, if I'm being honest, I would watch a Booster Gold, like, DC movie. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing how they would do that. I would, I would too. More than, more than just, like, another Superman movie. They're, they have had a Booster Gold Blue Beetle, like, movie, like, in production hell for, like, ten years. Oh, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be but, cool. Maybe. Instead, we're gonna get a, we're gonna get a Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, we experience what Sly always experienced when DC announces movies and stuff. They're like, no, yeah, Zack Snyder. You guys heard about Harley Quinn? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. Oh, and thank you guys all for supporting the Patreon drive. We probably have a lot of new people here. Yep. Because it was a big success. Very nice, right, guys? Yep. Borat. But uh, Borat. Yeah. So. I hope you guys enjoyed this Patreon episode. I didn't. And get ready because we have some Edgelord August episodes coming up soon and they're going to be great. Woohoo! So, for Divisive Issues, I've been Ryan. I've been Sly. I've been Phil. I've been Daryl. Stay in Patreon mode. Hello, dear patrons, and welcome to the September episode. Patreon bonus episode of Divisive Issues. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. And September is my birthday month, as it is Daryl's. So we're going to do my favorite thing and his least favorite thing and talk about <laughs> Superman. Ah, no. <laughs> Can we talk about Death's Head? Can we combine the two somehow? <laughs> so, so we are going to talk about one of the most, uh, I guess, iconic Superman issues, which is... It got made to, it got made to an anime movie. Like, it's, it's, yes. it's like one of the ones like, people it. think about... Yes. Huh. Yes. And it's it's Action Comics 775, written by Joe Kelly, drawn by Doug Mankey. What's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way? Actually, I just realized right now, it's what's so funny about. It's not about. Yeah, what's, apostrophe what's so, about. What's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way? You know, huh? a, a good book is things you learn new things of every time you read it. And this this book is one of the few, like, modern like new villains that stuck around. Like, Joe Kelly ended up writing a whole justice league team that spun out of this book and like there's this is a pretty beloved issue and when did it it came out in 2002 march 2001 before going into this i know ryan had mentioned this and i saw other people like at least name drop this i assumed like i always do that most of the time when you're talking about things it's stuff from like either the 90s the 80s maybe the 70s because i feel like all good superman was old or something like that and so i was reading this i'm like Oh, this is like new art. This is a like new Superman. It was very strange at first. And I have a quick uh, anecdote about Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly, we have talked about before. He did the Last Will and Testament of Hal Jordan. Hmm. Oh yes, which we did uh, ages ago. And uh, the he also I think Daryl hated that too, right? No, I don't. (laughs) I think did you hate that? I can't remember it. I think he said like, "Oh, it makes no sense." I remember it's, it's the one where Green Lantern sidekick. No, he definitely hated it. At least I know at least one of us hated it. I remember Phil thinking Phil usually likes stuff, so it's definitely Daryl. Phil it. usually <laughs> likes stuff. Do I? <laughs> yeah, that's I was gonna say. Usually we're on the same team. No, but like, but like he's like, "Oh, it's kind of cool that this happens." But Daryl's like, "No, it's just dumb forever." No, 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 no. This can't so, be happening. <laughs> Joe Kelly is probably most famous for being like the writer that made Deadpool a really great character. Mm. And his Deadpool run is like hailed as I think it's like one of like the best Marvel runs ever. 
And I had the uh, privilege, and I forgot about this until I opened my book and saw that I have a trade that has this book in it. And on the cover, Joe Kelly had signed it, and he said to Ryan. And I forgot that when I met him, it was me and my wife, and we were... I was talking to him, and I was like, I'm such a big fan of your work. Like, this issue means so much to me. And he, he was being nice, but he kept, like, listening to me and be like, yeah, that that's cool. Where do I know you from? To, m- to my wife, Ariel. What? And I was like, but I, I want to I talk to you <laughs> yeah, about Superman. That's your hero. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like, it's so great meeting a fan, but I definitely know you from somewhere. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. Wait, you're some comic book guy? I don't know. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> And he, she had uh, the previous summer worked at Starbucks on Long Island, and apparently it's the Starbucks that Joe Kelly goes to to write in. Wow! So she was just around him, watching him write like Spider Man and Deadpool, <laughs> and like all these like great modern Joe Kelly books. And she was like, "Yeah, I don't know. He looks kind of familiar. I don't know." <laughs> I, I can picture her saying that too. Yeah, and I'm just like, ugh. So now you have to get a job at Starbucks and yeah. watch him write. Uh, then... There's nothing sadder than like you meeting your hero and they're just like, so uh, who's this person you're with? They're more interesting than you. <laughs> yeah, this is so much interest. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was, and then after they figured out, I think he just like needed to know where she was from. Because then after they figured out, then he talked to me and was very nice. Mm-hmm. So then you realize like, oh, so somebody, he, he's related to somebody that matters. So, okay, I got it. <laughs> he's related to someone that matters. Yeah. You shouldn't show up people's yeah. houses, though, right, and get autographs like that. Like, he <laughs> it was at a signing on Free Comic Book Day. Uh, at his house, you monster. Uh, Past hours, midnight. At his house. <laughs> free Comic Book Day, I'm going to take a comic. <laughs> <laughs> Every day is Free Comic Book Day when you're a thief. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so getting, okay. getting to this... Okay, go ahead. Talk about this shitty comic. <laughs> Alright, so getting to this fucking trash that everyone hates. Uh, it opens with Superman flying away from uh, Metropolis uh 5 a.m. local time. Breaking story this morning. A major terrorist action taking Libya. Genetically advanced crrr, has attacked uh, Tripoli with heavy artillery. And then by like... Uh, and there's, uh, there uh, cuts from uh, different times during the day. Because mm-hmm. he's flying through time zones so fast that yes. it's one minute... In, it's 8.02, and then it's 11.03, because he's flown through two time zones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it takes him four minutes to get there, and in the time that it took him to fly, four, four minutes, it's already a carnage. Everything's on fire. This giant monkey with a gun, because DC loves monkeys. Giant it's, monkey. It's, the, yeah. it's like a city-sized it's Godzilla blocks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's Godzilla-sized. Yeah, uh, yes. right. and it's, it's like mech. It's a, it's a cybernetic monkey. Yeah, and and, it, and to talk about all the news right now, there's like, oh my god, what have they done? Loss of life, loss of life. The, the monkey, the and monkey's he's dead. Like, his his ribs are like sticking out. The entire city is on fire. It's it's very violent, everywhere. which is why it was. This came as like a shock, and that's both modern and then it's like, hey, like Action Comics has like a blown up monkey in it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like as he's going through the time zones, the radios change languages. Mm-hmm. I always think little things like that is, are cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. So as so then it cuts to um, later. Uh, Jimmy Olsen's reading the Daily Star, who are praising the elite who, uh, sh- the earth, they say, triply shook and gave birth to four small gods called the Lee. And he says, oh, would, would it be wrong if I shot everyone at the star? Uh, this is clear, it's that pre-9-11 comic. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so then, uh, they talk about how they did it in four minutes. Jimmy's, like, ranting about, about all the stuff they did, blowing up the city, uh, or this creature. Like, just, like, the loss of life that the elite... Yeah, yeah. I like that it says, you know, I really wish on. I knew more swear words. It's like, that's an innocent kind of thing, Jimmy. I know. Say. That's such a Jimmy Olsen thing <laughs> such to Such a Jimmy. 
and Clark's just hanging, and Clark's just hanging back, uh, hanging. He's in the field, but he's not saying anything. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's on the TV screen. They're asking, like, "Why isn't he saying anything?" And Lois says, "You know, he's just processing it all, Perry." Mm-hmm. And so it cuts to him uh, as a TV uh, news anchor, which I didn't know the status quo at the time. I thought it was only in the seventies he was there, but here he is as a TV guy. Mm-hmm. He's a news anchor. <laughs> Apparently, in, in this, because in, uh, uh, you know, he's a, a reporter for a newspaper usually. Yep. yep. And I, I know in the seventies they tried to modernize him and make him a TV reporter, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "No, you got to be old school t- newspaper, even though newspapers don't exist anymore." <laughs> and I think, and I think nowadays he's a blogger. Uh, I don't really change that, but uh. I don't know. He's just as long as Clark Kent's doing news stuff, I think it's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking to Jack Ryder, who's like the elite is so awesome, and then Clark Kent's like, uh, "They're they're murderers." So Jack, so Jack Ryder, we actually covered Jack Ryder before he was in fifty two. Fifty-two. He becomes yeah. a creeper, which is like a good guy Joker. <laughs> the <laughs> but, uh, creeper. <laughs> yeah. Created by Steve Disco. Created fucking um... good guy Joker. <laughs> I actually really love the creeper. He's uh, smiling, yeah. but he's like, "Do you want candy?" Best <laughs> <laughs> way, way to compare him is like Freakazoid. Have you ever watched Freakazoid? Yeah, he's oh. basically Freakazoid. He's like yeah. the Joker, except he does. Uh, he makes people laugh like a clown, oh, right? Like uh, a right? clown. Yeah. <laughs> he acts erratic. He weirds people out. But he solves crimes instead of just killing people. <laughs> uh, none of the like he's not the creeper in the story. Jack Ryder is just like yeah, an asshole. Saying, he, he, <laughs> yeah. becomes, he eventually becomes a creeper. I just bring it up because we we, we, we was so crammed we couldn't get into it. But he yeah, becomes... but whenever they need, whenever they, whenever DC needs just like some news anchor to be like these bad guys are good and these good guys are bad, it's always Jack. I just Ryder. love yes, that this is everything. leftover errata from Fifty Two. Like more things Sly wanted to bring up to make me hate stuff. <laughs> the creeper's awesome. Fuck you, dog. You hit right. everything. Anyway, right. but we uh, get a really great back and forth where yeah. Clark Kent is is trying to like go into more nuance. Where he's like, you know, they also, you know, they talk about how they took out a Libyan general, but they, you know, they didn't talk about how they severed his legs at the shins. You know, using only his mind, like the leader of the elite, yeah, Chester Black. Yeah, uh, Jack Ryan says, "Elite stopped the cold. Period. Smells like hero to me." And Clark's like, "That situation could contain about a single life lost. Superman could have. Superman, that'd be great. Enough monkey business, you guys. I'm taking your terrorist chums downtown for a spanking. And three months later, we'll have it all over again. The world is sick and broken, Kent. People want someone to fix it, not hand out slogans and bandages. The age of Superman is over. Viva delete. Viva delete. I like this a lot to start out with this because I was like, this is something we talk about on the show constantly where it's like, you keep throwing the Joker in jail and he keeps murdering people, so maybe yeah. fucking kill him. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's literally the premise of this story is like Superman does always, he always does it without deaths, but then they come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. So is there not something to be said for a team that's like, we're just going to fucking kill th- these people. Yep. Like mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, it was really cool getting into it. Like I, I knew it was about S- Superman essentially facing the authority. If you listen, been listening to our like, uh, yeah, so we're doing, regular we, 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 we're talk about this. Oh, we're doing this cause we're doing a Friday just, just, August, and I was like, we have to follow up with yeah. this. A group so, of people yeah. that just go around killing like terrorists and dictators without obeying any laws and stuff. And so uh, this was really fun to read. It was also interesting doing the change, like having finished the authority and then jumping into this, how much text there was. I was like, oh, this is like nice. I can see Slice argument where it's like, if you buy a comic, it's like you want to be reading a story, not mm-hmm. just like seeing only pretty pictures. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. plot here to make an animated movie out of it. Yeah, like, that, that, definitely. That's, this is your money's worth. But... Yeah. So, so they talk about how uh, they cut to Lex Luthor, who's the president this time. More yes, he is the president. I fucking hate that. So it's just Trump is president now. Trump. Yeah, yeah. Luthor was based off Trump, and Trump later literally became president. <laughs> Luthor will become president in DC. Like it will literally happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luthor, Luthor becoming president was supposed to be their uh, like satire of George W. Bush's victory, <laughs> but uh, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. So. Yeah, this is more viable than Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
At, uh, just for what it's worth, Lex Luthor divested all his businesses to Talia Al Ghul. Oh, yeah. So what are you going to do? <laughs> so uh, his, his, Lex Luthor is mostly just like, I'll just watch and see what happens because uh, we'll see who's standing when the smoke clears between Superman and Selene. He says, this is what superheroes do. Metas just fight with each other. They're not going to fuck with us. Don't yeah. worry about it. I like that he has Amanda Waller on his cabinet. I'm yeah. like, that is a smart, mm-hmm. I like that. That's a cute touch. Yes. Oh, you like Shared Universe versus Daryl? Like, isn't it annoying that Amanda Waller's here? What's her who deal? Who is she? Well, I don't know who this is. You know why? No, I, I like it. It's because she's not a meta. Oh, they have superpowers. Yeah, I'm not going to become shitty. Okay. Yeah, because they're supposed to be doing more stuff than that. I could buy her well, wanting to be Well, then we cut to Phil's favorite character. We have a scene with Steel. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't know this. Uh, Steel had, for, had Fortress of Solitude privileges, and he was helping Superman out in the Fortress of Solitude. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out, learn about what what the uh, lead is about their manifa- manifesto. Yeah, they left a manifesto. There are good guys, namely us, and there are bad. Oh, we do not believe in nations. We do not Wait. believe in what? You have to do the British, British voice. Oh, <laughs> British Cockney voice. <laughs> I'm just figuring <laughs> away. Well, we do not believe in nations. <laughs> you do it, like. We do not believe in trees or boundaries or classes or politics. They're the good guys, mainly us, and they're the bad guys. Uh, namely, anyone who treats anyone like trash to further their own petty aims. You ask for us, world, now you got us. Be good or we'll blow your house for 50 megaton clothes seeking cluster bomb. Love us. The least manifesto. Yep, download to every PC in the world. Again, if you've listened to the our, our Authority episode, how many times Jenny's just like, be good or I'll fucking come kill you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, we talked about, Daryl asked us about it off air, but we're like, wait till the show. Yeah. This is explicitly a direct response to the That's what I was wondering, because I saw that, and I'm so like, it, that, that feels like they're channeling, like, the Authority is always like, obey us or, like, get fucked. And then you see the leader of the Authority and has a British flag on his chest. I'm like, that's just yep. Jenny, Jenny yeah. Sparks and Grant Morrison combined. I knew yeah, yeah. Like, after halfway through this, I was like, 100%, this has to be after these. I didn't look it up, but I was like, you guys will tell me, but uh, I, I, I was convinced this had to be a response to the authority. Yeah. And uh, uh, Grant Morrison's Scottish, just, you know, for what it's worth. Important <laughs> context, though, because uh, this was, a, uh, even reading the responses to authority, like reviews for it, there are people, there are, this was a conveying attitude. Then and definitely still now that the forty are real heroes, they get shit done. Yes. Like fuck all, fuck all yeah. these pansies and tights flying around, like letting superior villains live. These are forty are the ones who actually what, what heroes should be. I mean, people not even just in comics, but people do that in real life all the time, yeah. where they want like the tough strong men instead of like people that actually yeah, can leave. We've <laughs> argued this, and again, it, it's it's a nice, it's an interesting dichotomy of like. The, the children's superheroes or the superheroes of the ages past where things weren't violent or threatening enough versus how do you deal with, like, a big terrorist threat that's willing to wipe out the Earth? It's like, should you yeah, just yeah. wipe them out? And so uh, Superman is uh, he's so upset. He like, basically, like, uh, burns his computer. He's typing keyboard. really fast at his computer that his fingers are burning. It's a nice yeah, touch. So then, to cool off, he puts his face in molten, molten magma. <laughs> is that magma? <laughs> It looks I like thought, I looked like it to me. I thought it was just uh, like light water. I thought it was like some sort of weird Krypton thing. But yeah, I'm I like it's, it's it's Fortress of Solitude. It's gonna be something. It, I guess I guess it makes more sense if it's light, light water because it's always light water. Ah, magma. No, but that, like Superman probably would be like. How do you get in those pores otherwise? Like <laughs> yeah, like, like come on. That's what I was thinking. But then he okay. says so. He, as he's as he's cleaning his face, he says, John. Uh, do you think the world has moved on? And but then uh, alert happens with the sound effect Aruga. Yeah, yeah. John's <laughs> like Japan. Japan talk later, and Superman goes nothing. It was nothing. Japan. I'm go- and he goes. To- so he flies to Japan, 
And he, as he goes there, a fucking like a nuclear bomb goes off and yeah. flies, knocks him out of the sky. And he sees a bunch of other, uh, not a bunch of other, a bunch of Asian superheroes. Uh, uh, like I think they're, well, they're villains, right? They're villains. No, they're villains. They're villains. I also liked uh, just to point out when he's flying there, you hear like news arguments going back and forth on whether the elite show up or not, mm-hmm. and you know, there's people arguing they're killers. No, they're not. They're, they're you know, yeah, dead monkeys and dead terrorists. I'm sleeping better at night. The last thing they say, the elite are here to stay. Who's strong enough to say otherwise? And then that Superman getting knocked out of the sky mm-hmm. uh, by this bomb. Yeah, yeah. And Superman, Superman told the story that he basically just sits, sits there and watches as the elite show up and basically dismember all these uh, Chinese yeah. supervillains. And they, like, they don't even stand a chance. Like one panel, each of them is getting exploded and stuff. Yeah, turning to ice. And then, so you, then you see uh, male Jenny Sparks. Uh, I don't know. The, the analogs aren't perfect, so there's just like a yeah. Uh, it's not supposed to be like yeah. the same characters, but it's the same concept. Which I like. It's like it's the same kind of like wacky concept where we got like male Jenny Sparks, and then rather than the engineer, she's like the alien. She has aliens on her all the time, and then yeah, rather yeah. than the doctor, it's just this guy with a magic hat. Yeah, he looks like a magician, yeah. and there's a guy with chains all over him. A black guy with chains was very angry a about big Hulk. Is basically yeah yeah. yeah. And and I like that the the first appearance of the hat here. We see him. He has a tap mm-hmm. coming out of his magic hat, so he's just like getting like boozed up. Oh right? yeah, the hat is uh, clearly supposed to be the shaman, but he he's the magician guy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, and and uh, male Jenny Sparks, his power is like super telepathy. And and we see that it wasn't a nuclear bomb. What happened was they tried to use a high frequency neutrino wash that would kill the uh, to kill those heroes, but one of them had an aura that shielded them, and it reacted poorly. Yeah. Yeah. So so Superman's like, oh, so you have, well, you have to kill them, and uh, they're like, we have to stop them or watch a live action rerun of Hiroshima. Yeah, they were a genetically accelerated meta group fronting for an isolationist government fa- fact. <laughs> they're like i mean it's a it's again a fair point that if you have people at this power level who are bad and they're like we're gonna just destroy the government of japan how much time do you have to be like let's try to pull our punches and stop them from yeah yeah you know. as superman says ends justified means clever what's next we are bracken lebensraum <laughs> and they're like shut up yeah. <laughs> and so he, he explains that, that they're on the ship it's basically the ship from the authority but it's yeah. a bacteria co- colony yeah. called bunny from a different universe yeah, he says, "Shut up! I don't." Superman said, "I don't want to tour. I want you to stop." And the guy says, "For a bloke who's supposed to cape, uh, you're not very jolly." <laughs> He's always smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. like Jenny. That Matt, the hat guy's so drunk he passed out while they're talking. Superman's basically like, "You're killing people." And this is uh, not how the job gets done. And also, a thing that I like about Manchester Black before <laughs> they start doing this yeah. is he keeps like making like uh, like racial comments about like like the hat's Asian, and he's like, "Oh, it, it's all that Asian repression." And then he says something about like the black guy about like slavery. I'm half, like, I'm half, I'm one eighteenth Asian. So okay. Yeah, I'm fifteenth Japanese. I could say that. I'm I'm a twenty fourth uh, black. I could say yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. But after Shimei snaps at him, he says, "Oh, funny. I want to peg you for jealous. You might not believe this, but as a kid, I used to love heroes." Though I never used the word for us. Good pound is not of evil on bright tights. No questions, no gray areas. There's a perfect bloody dream for a, mo- for a boy who lost a mother to lung cancer and a father to Adolf. And then I woke up. Master for hiding. Capes are for play. Villains don't share their plans f- before they smoke you. Accepting campaign speeches. Or the pulpit. Or in front of the classroom. Reality is a mite. Bloodier than sitcoms or comics. The greys stretch out farther. The speech rules. Yeah. <laughs> and then Superman's like, I, I know, uh... Uh, you know, there are bad you can't, people. You can't throw out morality in the garbage just because life's tough. And he's like, yeah. life's tough. Fancy talk. Strange visit from another <laughs> planet. Try eating your own dog to survive because your sister lost her hands in a sweatshop. A human being has the power to make a difference. 
doing what any normal person could do, given the chance. Or escaping the earth free of scum, and the was for it. And so then, uh, Superman's still like, I don't give a fuck, stop this immediately. And they basically teleport him to the middle of a Smallville Superman, Superman car dealership. Car wash. Oh, yeah, car yeah, dealership. Car wash. Yep. And then yeah. he has, he has, he talks, he, so he goes to see his dad and he's talking to him about this, where it's like. Apparently, apparently everyone looked at him like he was a fool talking to nothing, standing in the middle of this car yep. wash. Because in, in the middle of, he says, I will not let you continue this. Stop immediately, or, and he's just in the car. Yeah, these cars off And one thing I, I want to say: all the Superman scenes are drawn by Doug Mankey and are very like line heavy and very like like Mankey has a very like late '90s kind of style. Mm-hmm. I, I love Mankey as an artist, but all the Clark Kent scenes are drawn by Lieber Majo, who is much more of like a Norman Rockwell style. And I really like the dichotomy because sometimes when you have multiple artists on an issue, it's really jarring. But I feel like tonally, these two artists work well together and for their respective scenes. Yes. It, it feels like it's a purposeful shift rather than just oh. We, yeah, like we lost an artist and we need someone to fill yeah. these pages yeah. like in Heroes of Crisis. Yeah. It also does help that Tom Nguyen did almost all the inking and like having an inker across the issue definitely helps mm-hmm. that cohesiveness. And so he saw, so Clark talks to his dad and he says this like, like, oh. By the way, a great scene, I think, this yep. whole conversation. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so Clark says like, oh, Smallville's doing through Lee, huh? And Clark's dad says, some folks, mostly loud and angry ones, are just, just scared. Look outside and see revolving doors on prisons, government, corruption, maniacs, hiding in the desert, children. Well, what happens to children these days gets anyone blo- anyone's blood up. Sometimes truth, justice, in American way just doesn't make them feel better. Do you want easy answers, quick results? Economic anxiety, right, guys? <laughs> and Clark says, so the best, so is, the black, so is black right, the best way to fight demons is to become one? Because it's fast, easy, and there's a, there isn't a moral code to measure up to anyway? Of course not, Clark. You can't just talk to someone like that. You have to teach him yeah. there's a better way. Lead by example. And this is the best part where Clark's dad says, and if it doesn't if it doesn't work, uh, you can always kick him from here to ho- ho- uh, high holy later, right? Clark, you can beat them if it goes that way, can't you? <laughs> Clark? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I love that idea. Like, even Superman's like, these guys are really fucking strong. Where he's <laughs> yeah. like, I, I like... Because you want to always believe, at the end of the day, if Superman wants it to stop, he can stop it because he's so strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here, he's like, I don't know if I actually can. So Superman flies through all uh, Metropolis and he sees, like, the blue-collar Trump voters are like, Lee came in, cold cock the fucking Chinese, go get going, Lee. Yeah, they blew up a missile base and they're like, occupational hazard, don't like it, stay out of the nuclear missile business. Yeah. Don't like America, don't stay in get out of here. <laughs> and they reference here, uh, do you... Did, uh, one lady's like, I don't feel safe with those people running around. And her, her friend's like, well, did Superman avenge little poopsie when he was eaten by the Joker? And she's like, well, no, he had diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing when he became an random ambassador and had diplomatic immunity. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, that's, I would be pretty pissed if that happened. <laughs> and then they have like a bunch of edgy teens that are like, you know, some of them are like, killing's wrong. And they're like, yeah, but what about like these serial killers? Yeah, like, like Mr. Zaz. Yeah. 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 Hannibal Lecter. And I like that my favorite is these little kids. All these kids are dressed up at... Well, even before that, the teens are still like, well, what about the death penalty? Those people are killed. And they're yeah. like, yeah, but they get put on trial. And they're like, well, how many times has Scarecrow been put on trial? And he's still killing people. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they're they really poking holes in the, like, the American way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, there's, a, there's a kid dressed up as Superman. All his friends are dressed up as the Lee. And he says, screw this. Like, uh, uh, it's not fair. You guys can kill kill me, but I can't kill you. And he's like, well, you can't. You're Superman. You can't kill anyone. We get to kill you. And then uh, so the kid's like, okay, kill me so I can, I can restart and play something cool instead. As Superman. Yeah. Superman. yeah, Superman just crying inside. <laughs> and he says, being Superman is so beat. 
And it, it cuts to two men fighting the man in black, almost literally. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh my god, so, comics. Literally, look into the red light and die. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I forget the explanation. They're like rogue, like, government whatever. agents who are... The Cletes are from a planet. Oh, yeah. wow. And Superman knows that it's like they're they're weak to water, so he splashes a lot of water down and then freezes it around them, so the aliens stop fighting back. And he tells the elite, uh, "See, I didn't. You might have just killed them all, but I used my brain and managed to have no loss of life here, exactly zero. And then they're and, like, "All right, whatever." And they're like, "Yo, you idiot! These blokes want a triple black alien immigration service. Take the galaxy's castle off the chin with the weapons for the highest bidder. The West now is up in New York as well. There's from the microbio division." And so, basically saying, like, he's a bad man, soup's very bad. And let me tell you what happened next. They'll stand trial. Get sent to maximum security, Pokey. Gasp and horror. It won't be a prison, but a shadow cabinet workshop, but they'll all get jobs training slack-jawed yanks to do the same thing. And then and su- Superman's like, I'll stop them again and again and again if I have to until they get the message, and I'll do it without melting anyone into slag for kicks. Damn you Americans, <laughs> love to hear yourselves, yep. I love that line. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because Super- Superman has the least amount of dialogue in this, and this guy has so much dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I tell the streets to swore more. Then Ray Nass on the families, the all same message. <laughs> and Superman's like, no, and he punches his hat. And Knocks then, out, uh, yeah. and Master's like, like, oh, I was waiting for that. Thanks for just calls. Wait, if you're not a part of the solution, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, he's like, since you hit us, now we're going to hit you back. Yeah, and he filmed it. So it's like, look, he attacked us with no no reason. Yep. Yeah. So then he says tomorrow. So then it cuts to at night with Clark in bed with Lois. I love this scene. So it's Clark and Lois in bed. And she's like, I'm asking this to you as like your wife, not as a reporter, not trying to get the scoop. But like, why don't you call the JLA or the, you know, the new gods are like, why does this your problem? And he's like, they wanted me. And she's like, no. You went to them. You set out to stop them. And he's like, oh, I guess you're right. I did. <laughs> she's like, oh, so maybe it's another way. He's like, no. And there, she's like, but Clark, they, they fucking split ne- a Neptune moon in half, a moon. And he says, they're perverting everything they spend my life fighting for, killing people and laughing. And he's like, they have no concept of human rights. And she well, says, I think they can beat you. And so then he pauses. It's just like silent for a panel. And I'm like, yeah. it must be so tough to be Superman. And the one time <laughs> in your life, your wife's like, I think these guys are going to can kick your ass. Yeah. yeah. And someone says, I heard a child tell his friend they wanted to be elite because it'll be fun to kill bad guys. It's fun to kill. People have to know there's another way, Lois. They have to hear a voice of compassion and faith instead of spite and anger. Because he says someone believes humanity strongly enough and Lois finishes her thoughts saying, to die for them? And in the last three panels, just to them hugging and embracing each other as the panel zooms out. Mm-hmm. And the next page is her in bed, and he's leaving a note for her. And it reminds me of, again, being a big Hamilton fan, like just the do what's on type thing, where <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's leaving her just a note being like, you know, goodbye, I'm, this might be it. Best of wives, best of women, Lois yeah. Lane. Yeah. But the thing, I love this scene so much because, like, everyone, everyone's just like, Superman's gonna win, Superman's gonna win. and But Lois is the only one who, like, really understands. And I love the idea that, like, because, like, we've all had these conversations with, you know, people we care about where they drop something, like, really heavy and then there's silence. And then Superman pivots to something tangential where he's just like, I heard a kid tell his friends that he wanted to be in the elite. And, like, it's just, like, I love the, like, silence and then he's like... We're going to come at this from a different angle, but this is, like, the thing that's waiting on me the most. Yep. And it's yep. just, this whole scene reads, like, very, very true to mm-hmm. a couple to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then uh, he meets them, like, he's standing in the middle of Metropolis, um, and they show up in their massive fucking ship, which is, like, it's like Independence Day, the fucking ship taking over the entire yep. sky, because it's all orange instead of black. And he says, show yourselves. And they show up and they say, 
Time to wake up, little man. The little dream. The little dream. And then they start claiming kneecaps, eyelids, other, and goes, wait, not here, please. Oh, last wish, brilliant. Not here, then. They'll patch the game through to interested parties. And they f- he flicks the cigarette at Superman's chest. Yeah, yeah. and they decide to have the fight. Uh, on Io. On Io, yeah. One, yeah, one of Jupiter's moons. And, and basically, it's, it's like a kind of references to the stuff that before you usually fight about yeah. how... This this mega, mega ovum preparing to hatch eggs. This was literally the god. <laughs> yeah, thing this is yeah. the end of the last authority art we read, where it's like, yeah. hey, we basically we killed God, so. Yeah, yeah. And he says, like, I tried, I tried to reason with you. I tried to show you there's another way than the path of violence you've chosen. I'm begging you to help me end this without further bloodshed. And, and this down. is being patched through to everyone on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. We want to show like them, them showing up, Superman. Mm-hmm. And he says, stand down, come quiet with me, and be just for your crimes. Maybe we can all gather this one piece. And then... The fight begins. Matches back, just... Uh, Tuckanetica just... Sucker punches him. Yeah, yeah. Tuckanetica. Like, like Dragon Ball Z being cratered yeah. through different... Yeah, uh, like he, he goes to the Avalos through the mountains and, and we get like narration bubbles of Manchester Black as Superman's being destroyed saying... Not destroyed, but like flown through stuff. Rules this isn't about love. Yep. Yeah. He who has the power makes the rules. Yeah. No one hits one of my people and walks. This isn't about love. It's about removing the cancers that fester in us and flush them down the toilet. The people don't want babysitters and spandex to slap them on the wrist when they're bad. They want surgeons to cut the ugly bits from them and charge them through the moral nose. Dr. Manchester Black at your service. And so we have, uh, the, the fight's pretty cool because he's, one of the characters has like these bat, like the, the, alien, the alien spore yeah. engineer woman yeah. shoots it to bats and so mm-hmm. slashing into yep, them. And he's like trying to heat vision them but they're everywhere. Uh, then the hat drops like an, an ancient, Aztec, Aztec uh, yeah, like gold, like structure pillar? on top of him. <laughs> it's like a yeah, giant building-sized pillar. Yeah. And then a Manchester Black makes fucking Superman's head start exploding from the inside. And he basically gives him a stroke. Yeah, yeah he's like, he's like, uh, you know, your head's really tough, but your brain still has uh, capillaries and... Uh, yeah. Close to a shock what you're feeling now. You're forgetting words. We're living life experiences. Smells random tastes. Funny, isn't it? Years of truth, justice, in the American military commercially right-wing way. And in the end, your spast is twitching to death from my music. Hysterical. Yeah, and so Ben then uh, he has uh, the big black castle. guy d- yeah. electrify him. He says, mm-hmm. uh, th- uh, "Think of your grandfather's back being uh, whipped raw of the hickory world." Saying, "Oh, uh, think about this as revenge for slavery." Why, why you <laughs> but don't worry, I can say that I'm a fifteenth black. Yeah. yeah, and he like yeah he like explodes Superman's head with like he's like super electric. Yeah, and only his cape remains. He says, "How is that no matter how?" how how badly massacre one of these Dong and blanket types? Some sort of down these still survives the blast. <laughs> yeah. And so as they're like gloating about how they kill Superman, Superman says, I finally get it now. Thank you. I made a mistake. Uh, he's gone, so it's just like a nebulous yeah, voice. Yeah, just a nebulous voice coming out of nowhere. And they're like, well, we killed him. What's what, what happening? I made a mistake of treating people like you like people. But now I understand better what you are and how to deal with you. And he and all of a sudden the the alien spore just explodes into pieces. Yeah. Well, well, all makes... the aliens explode like off of her, and they attack yeah. her. Yeah. But she's like she's like all her body parts like torn into in half now. Yeah. And uh, then um, uh, they're like, "What the hell's happening? Like, where is he? Why can't we see him?" I think it's just like, there's a giant explosion. Yeah. And the hat yeah. is like uh, immune to physical damage. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, Superman causes an explosion, and Hat tries to block it off of a force field, saying, "Oh, we got him. I got this." But as they're fighting off the force explosion, the winds are hitting up to 500 miles per hour, so causing Hat's lungs to collapse as he's trying to hold back the explosion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he can't. He can. He can't take physical damage, but he also can't breathe. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He, yeah. He, 
And he realized that Superman planned this out, that Hat would react that way. Yeah, yeah and there, so now Manchester Black and Coldcast are the only two left. They're flying, and he's Manchester Black is t- talking about a plan to beat him, and then all of a sudden this, like, streak of light just pla- passes by, and Coldcast is gone. He just gets, like, yeah. blasted away. Uh-huh. And Superman's like, he took a trip into space at Mach 7. If you had super hearing, you'd hear a pop in ten seconds. And Manchester Black's like, you killed my team! I'm gonna liquefy your damn alien pancreas! <laughs> and then this you have a page of superman looking completely like ripped uh his shirts are all ripped he's, he's bloody blood all over him he, he looks this... like an edgelord character yeah he does yeah, he has this, this snarl on his face and he's like how does it feel no wait every... says, before before you do that tell me one thing how does it feel knowing that everything you thought you had has been taken away from you how does it feel to have your flaws exploited to be deconstructed how does it feel to watch dreams die and he's like let me show you yourself Roger's hypocrite he and this Superman's eyes start lighting up he says, he vision, ha, old boy, you're lucky you can still stand let alone Paul blow my face. And Superman says, I'm not aiming at your face. And then there's the sound effect, script right next to Manchester Black's uh, face. And, and all of a sudden, Manchester Black's like, what just happened? Superman's like, heh, and just knocks him back. <laughs> and, yeah. and then um, Manchester Black's like, the time I'm thinking it, what'd you do to my power? I can't feel my power. And apparently he used his telescopic x-ray heat vision combination to mm-hmm. look through his eyes and look at the part of his brain that ha- gives him his powers and just basically, like, lobotomize him. Uh, that part, not really, but... He excised the cancer of his powers, just like the elite has been trying to excise the <laughs> cancers of society. Yeah, but you have to, you have to clarify. He's, he's doing this in an angel way. He was exposing how he did it. I, yeah. Mr. Black, my eyes, your eyes. Telescopic x-ray, heat vision. I looked into your brain for abnormalities, found an overdeveloped chunk that looked nasty, and I cut it out. And he's like, what? Oh, you can't you can't do that. <laughs> I can. Heat fo- vision focused through your retina. Invisible scalpel. Instill anatomy. And the guy measures back to the car. <laughs> <and> starts crying. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you can't do this. You're Superman. You don't do this. <laughs> they saw you. Everyone never saw you, degenerate. Everyone saw what you did to us. And they know. They know you know better. They know you know better. There's nothing special about you. Yes, they did see, didn't they? They saw all the ugliness and anger, and I better frighten them. It frightened me. When I decided to cross the line, do what you do, I was terrified. Thought it would be tough. But you know what? Anger is easy. Haze easy. Vengeance inspire easy. Lucky for you and me and for me. I don't like my heroes ugly and mean. I just don't believe in it. And so Manchester Black says, What are you man? You killed my team, you violated my brain. He's he crying says, profusely this boy. Yeah. And he says, um, people are fine, disabled, unconscious, nursing headaches. And uh, basically, he just gave using his vision just gave him a headache too. Uh, that wear off as soon as the JLA basically put uh, arrest him. And he already he mentions just as a side thing that the the ship that they had, uh, because it's alive, it it wanted to be free of them. Yeah, so they mm-hmm. gave him all the information. And so matches back to like you stupid son of a motherless Campbell tick. You should have uh, stiffened your lip and done this all in. So long as my heart beats in my chest, I'll come after you, Ponzi twit. If you think this is over, you're living in the bloody dream world. So Superman says, you know what, Black? I wouldn't have it any other way. Dreams save us. Dreams lift us up and transform us. And on my soul, I swear, until my dream of a world where dignity, honor, and justice become the reality we all share, I'll never stop fighting. And Superman flies away and adds, ever. As the caption box comes up, what's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way? Written by Clark Kent at the Daily Planet, January 2001. That's how it ends. Wow. That's how it ends. Wow. What an issue. So. So. I feel like for I feel like that's like the definitive modern Superman issue. Yeah. 
at least from like this era. Maybe some people would give it to Superman's cape from Grant Morrison's run, but that this is like to me like the issue that explains why Superman works in like an edgelord context. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what did you, you think, Daryl? Your mom made me a quilt that has that monologue on it. Yes, it does. Because <laughs> I had asked think? Ryan for his uh, most important hero quilts when I'm, I'm quotes. When my yes. mom wanted to make him a quilt, and that was the and even though I I even though I consider the Flash my favorite, apparently uh, I run real fast doesn't work as well on a quilt <laughs> as that speech does. Fast. Is that an actual quote or no? <laughs> but it's gotta be right. <laughs> I run real fast. Um, I I really like the the central idea behind it and the main like conflicts between like Superman and the Authority because this is exactly what I wanted to see, and it's cool to see like mm-hmm. this answer being told and i also i like having the background information on the authority because i might have thought like it was really weird or out there all these guys having such like crazy powers i'm like where did they come from where it's more like i can enter into this being like how would superman deal with the authority rather than being Mm -hmm. like how does this actually work a guy that can just like pull anything out of a hat that sounds dumb and and so i i liked their their struggle i don't feel like superman was very like he answered a lot of their things like they point out a lot of things and he's just like that's just not the way it works and at the end of the story the fact that he he still manages to like he beats them like really quickly in all these ways is still the reason i don't like superman is he just like he just always wins and he's like my way is right because like it naturally just is well the thing is i i the thing that i like about the way he beats them is he doesn't just fight them he uses his smarts Mm -hmm. like step by step and what he does is he tricks them into thinking he's killing them all because the whole crutch of why he beats manchester black is because black so awestruck by the fact that superman's doing this and he admits like no you can't do this like you can't submit to this level. That doesn't make any sense. And like that level of confusion, like he basically lures him into a false sense of security. And I find that to be a lot more interesting than just like, I'm better at punching. Like he lets them think that they are so much better than him that they, he doesn't stand a chance. They kick the shit out of him immediately, you know? And I I find that to be an interesting struggle. His his argument isn't that his way is better because it is, is that, uh, their way is easy, so and, yeah. and, and, and and leads to a scarier world where everyone is just a monster doing horrible things to each other just because uh, horrible things are being done in the world. And it's easy to re- re- reduce that level, and all it does is, is it just makes everyone worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, yeah. I that's that was my takeaway from it too. Where he's like, he says like all your questions are valid. Basically, like yeah, it is it is shitty that the Joker keeps getting out or whatever. But like, it's our job to take the harder road and keep doing the right thing, even though. It's like, oh, it's a constant struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing that I really appreciate about this issue, too, is I feel like it would be very easy, and I'm sure many people have done it to much less uh, success, of setting up, like, straw man, edgelord characters, and then Superman's just like, I'm the best. Yeah. But I feel like Kelly takes the time to frame the character's arguments in a way that is compelling and interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, the conversations that the random people have about them, it's not just, like yeah, we love this guy because he's an asshole. It's like they ask real questions and Superman responds. Talk about saying, how uh, Joker diplomatic immunity. Yeah. Yeah, like he's there. He's pointing out the problems and Superman says, yeah, my way is really difficult, but it's worth mm-hmm. it. 
he doesn't really say that your way is wrong as much as it is like it will, like you guys said, it will just damage everyone around you. It might get results. And like, I really like that. It's not just set up as just some edgy villain. It's like they actually have a real case to me. Yeah. It's competently written. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Like it was, it was a good, it was a fun issue to read. I just, I just don't like Superman. I'm just, I'm, I'm like this. It's tough because between like the two of these, it's like I'm glad like Superman's more popular than this like Edgelord dude, honestly. But I still, <laughs> I still don't like him as like a, a person. <laughs> what do you think, Paul? I really like it. I mean, obviously, like I feel like, I feel like, unless I just had a grudge against Superman, I like. <laughs> I feel like it's just a good comic in general, like uh, good good conversation between the two sides of, mm-hmm. you know, what is the right thing to do with super criminals and stuff, or just not, not even super criminals, but just the, the, the bad things in the world. And I like how people do get, like fall into the, the wanting to, the elite to win type stuff. Yeah, like, the, the like the that day, thing of people want the easy route really, yeah. really, really, can, really, can you just like kill true. them and let me sleep better yeah. at night? Yep. Like uh, where Superman's whole thing has always been. No, you give them a trial, and you if you know if you need to go fight them again, you do it, but you don't kill them if you don't need to. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, hard because I like I I do think Zaz should probably be dead. I I actually do too, but I <laughs> but should it be I, Superman kill? Do you think Superman should kill himself? And not, yeah, that that's a more yeah. like interesting thing about like because it is good that Superman isn't like the authority, and he's just like I'm just gonna follow my own laws and yeah, because I I think that that's the question that people i feel like people don't ask the right questions often when they're like well why doesn't batman just kill the joker and it's because batman like it, it's he doesn't have flip the authority it, you're like, should to kill batman be able to kill criminals that he thinks yeah should die yeah should should, should why, why is it up to batman to kill him like yep uh like he really does enough trying to catch him and stop him like shouldn't it be up to the state to uh yeah handle exactly yeah and that's the real question is the real question is why doesn't the state kill the joker yep and, you know, why does the state not do a lot of things it's supposed to do? You know, like, there are more nuanced conversations around that. And, like, it's the same thing. People are always asking, like, how, you know, like, like that kind of question. But yet we're still, like, we, I think all of us can safely say, like, we think, like, oftentimes police have too much authority and stuff like that. That, like, you know, should those people be taking the law into their hands and then we chastise Batman for not doing more than the vigilante work mm. he does? You know, like, it's... I, I like the way the argument is laid out where Superman's like, you know, they even say like they should be put on trial and stuff like that. And Superman's like, and if they get out, my job is to catch them, not to kill them. Yeah. And, this, and this is why it's interesting to call it. What's so funny about truth, just in American way, because DC inherently is more uh, heroes always align themselves more of the law than Marvel. Mm-hmm. Marvel are more like uh, they're more willing to act proactively and more willing to kill. Uh, but DC always, uh, was like true just American way like in the 40s it was corny like it, it backs them up for being legitimate like uh, model role model figures because they, yeah they are relying with the authority even if they do act outside of it to an extent mm-hmm. and I just I respect this a lot because this could have easily been a, a whole arc a whole huge long story mm-hmm. that could have been 10 issues but I really like that Kelly does it in one issue and it's tight, it's quick, it gets to the point. And I think to me, this is well, the reason why I think this is one of the best single issues ever written is because I think it showcases the strengths of the medium very well. It has multiple artists nailing multiple uh, tones. It shows the civilian versus the superhero side mm-hmm. without getting like super corny about it. It shows like the moral implications of what these 
characters mean as role models versus realism and how they would fit into a, a more realistic world. And it's done in one issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was one of my favorite parts is there's two attacks that are very short on like that show like the destruction of trying to intervene with Superman style or the elite style. Then they have the battle between them and they have in between the conversations between him and Lois, him listening to people on the street, him and his dad. Um, I really well paced. It's a very yeah. well balanced issue with like no yeah. filler. Yeah. You're right about that. Far cry from uh, Jimmy Olsen's Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> Far cry from uh, Heroes in Crisis, which is 12 issues in total. Oh, oh, my God. We're, we're yeah. just like, you can do this so much better. Where it's like, looking through this, I'm like, I don't know what I, like, would you change anything about this? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, like, this is a really good issue. Yeah. Cool. Um, fuck I mean, Superman. You know, <laughs> you know, good issue, fuck Superman. The consensus is, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, the thing, but the thing I think that this is the fact that Daryl you're still like you're still like this is very well paced it's very competent it lays out the case for Superman very well mm-hmm. which I think shows its strength that you don't have to buy into it for you to still find the argument compelling mm-hmm. you know and and that's I just think that it does a, a great job at that cool so then that's it right cool I'm gonna yes. watch this animated movie is it yeah, good I don't know Su- if it's any good it's called Superman vs. Elite the movie version hmm I think it should be on Netflix, probably. I'm going to check it out. I want to make Chrissy watch it. Yeah, let me know how it is. Maybe (laughs) I'll watch it, Phil. (laughs) Maybe that's our next Patreon. (laughs) If we can't get... Oh, Joe Kelly wrote the movie. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. That's pretty cool. That's cool. That concludes another month's Patreon episode. So thank you guys so much for backing us. And... I hope you enjoyed this. I want to know what everybody thinks about Superman and this issue because it used to get talked about all the time and I feel like it doesn't anymore and I think it might be more important now than it was before. Mm. So give us a, you know, let it hit us up in the Discord and stuff. All those links are at franzradio.com and you should hang out with us. I feel like it's always going to be important to talk about. It's just like it's a, it's a good yeah. struggle conceptually. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There'll always be people that want to be violent and take the easy way out. Yeah. Uh, okay, so thank you all for backing us on Patreon and listening to this episode. I've been Ryan. I've been Sly. I've been Phil. I've been Daryl. Stay in Patreon mode. Okay, five, four, three. Ugh, sorry. <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Divisive Issues Patreon special for this january month even though it's january it's more like christmas in january am i right <laughs> yeah so it's right. probably snowing snow reminds you of christmas maybe i still have my tree up guaranteed even though i'm not in january yet <laughs> i know i do you know what <laughs> these the stories that we're about to present to our uh viewers are they're not like christmas christmasy i think they're like holiday stuff so i think it kind of just like fits because it's about like you know a seasonal time of year and it was just new year's so yes so what we did was originally sly had some plans to do our christmas episode on some fun one-off christmas stories so this is actually these are actually leftovers from the christmas special from before the one where we did uh, Punisher, Save a Santa Claus, and Take Your Vow Nonviolence, and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that going on. Yeah, and like all holidays, the leftovers are always better because you get to eat them without your family. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no so, uh, Ryan is clearly the uh, embodiment of the Christmas spirit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, 
uh, one thing I, I want to highlight in that first episode that uh, I never got to because I found it so fucking weird. There are a lot of Punisher Christmas specials. Uh, at least <laughs> five that I know of. Wow. Uh, and, and so what we're covering today is actually there was a Punisher holiday special series in, in the 90s. It was for three issues, but they actually made a series of this. That Were they different holidays or were they all Christmas? They're all Christmas. It was just Christmas. <laughs> like, and only Punisher. I don't know why Punisher of all characters. I think, I think it's like the juxtaposition of Punisher and Christmas is like magic. It's sort of like Batman and Christmas or something. But at least Batman has like a family. You know, he's got Robin and Alfred. Yeah. Whereas Punisher's alone. Think about every Christmas special. It, there's always like some big grump that learns the power of compassion by the end. Mm-hmm. You have your Ebenezer Scrooges and your Grinches. And your Wolverines. And your Wolverines. <laughs> Yeah, like I feel like that that if it's everyone's all happy and cheery, you have like then you have the Christmas episodes that yeah, are normally you have people who are believers who kind of soften the grump a little whereas Punisher is the grump true. by himself and he's like this really just does suck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So anyway, this is we're doing a Chuck Dixon Dale Eaglesham Punisher story, right? Yeah, so I wanted to one reason I wanted to do this for a while is because talk, uh, talking to some modern Punisher fans, it seems like a lot of people uh only know a Garth Ennis onward, which is surreal mm-hmm. to me as a guy who always associate Punisher with Chuck Dixon. But mm-hmm. uh, Chuck Dixon was like the biggest Punisher ride before Garth Ennis uh, took over the role, and he wrote him off and on in many, many of his series. Before he he kind of fell off the map because he uh, is one of the few conservative uh, writers in Marvel, mm-hmm. and basically he he like would say like he got like pressured out because of his politics. But Punisher, a lot of the Punisher writers in general back then were all conservatives which is why i find it funny that uh now you have all, all types of people writing him not just conservatives mm. and taking different interpretations on them mm. what's so funny to me about chuck dixon is i don't know about his punishers politics yeah but like at dc he wrote a lot of like what would probably be considered like ham-fisted sjw comics by today's standards really like, he well because he create he like really established Cass Kane as the new batgirl oh yeah like went into like her disability more he huh. did all like teen pregnancy stories with spoiler and he established tim drake as the more like modern teen hero and it was so funny because i looked at like his 90s batman work as like expanding the line to be way more inclusive than just like a bunch of white guys and then later on he was just like these sjw's are taking over comics i'm like wait what <laughs> well it's happened to a lot of uh people uh, especially after 9-11 like mike miller uh that's used true to, used to be that's more true. less strictly conservative now he's more freaking conservative so it's, it's the it's, more it's, fox news you watch the you yeah know. the fox it just it really it it just it always surprises me so is his is his wait, punisher wait, like this come out uh nickname three i believe because fox news literally 90, started 95 in like 97 or something mm. Literally. Because well, I well, because the reason why I asked Lai is because I know like Jerry Conway, who created the Punisher, wanted him to be like a deconstruction and satire yes. of that kind of conservative vigilante. Did Chuck Dixon just write him as a straight like kill all the bad guys? This is good kind of uh, character. Uh, basically, basically, but like, uh, okay. so like, uh, it's interesting because it shows the changing times. Because when Punisher was created, he was created. Uh, it's when we were still kind of liberal as a society, and uh, that was viewed as a bad thing. Then by the eighties, when after Dirty Larry, uh, Dirty Larry, Dirry Harry, and <laughs> Dirty Larry, the Death that's Flitch, Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah. <laughs> basically, basically, the culture shifted towards the Punisher in, in a shocking. It's like the culture shifted towards Rorschach too. Like this is this is weird shift in, in the culture where what used to be a parody became that's what's right. That's what we got to do. It's authentic, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
So uh, let's get into. So I gotta say, uh, I think the art in this is so good. I think it is incredible mm. how the bodies in this contort when they get shot. It is it is disturbing to watch. I yes. think, and it's like it's something I haven't seen in almost any comics we've read, where as these people die, they make like a little like O or gasp, and their bodies like contort in such ways that it, it like bothered me to watch them die. When in comics, a lot of times it's so cartoony that uh-huh. it's like I can't feel like these are actually people dying. This but, guy has a good uh, grasp on anatomy for sure. Yes, like that. Yeah. Like even when th- there's like scenes where there's just like bodies slumped on the stairs and stuff, and it's like it's so it was so chilling to me to watch. Mm. So Dale Eaglesham is actually like one of my favorite uh, modern artists. Oh really? He's current? He, yeah, he's currently doing the Shazam book. And he's oh done, yes, uh, he's really good. Yeah. He's, really good. He, he's I really really like him. We've seen him earlier. He did. He was one of the artists that popped in every once in a while on Fifty Two. Hmm. Oh yes. I for me, Christy Shio, the colorist, was the mm, the coloring is the really biggest thing good. because yeah, the coloring is all really muted, which really helps with the story. It's like it's muted during like scenes of tenseness and then it gets brighter when there's action and it's like it's just like it's so nicely juxtaposed to like if you look at the coloring of the second story which we're not going to cover like that's just like such a 90s like but i mean it's also it's good art and good coloring (laughs) heavy on gradients heavy like primary colors and and even the art style is very comic booky with everyone looking muscular and stuff uh while here people look the second story yeah Yeah, second story story. yes In, in this one yeah it's funny because, like, 90s Marvel, like, mid-90s Marvel, especially, like, right about here in 95, I feel like most of their line, the art was, like, pretty much garbage. But you have these weird spinoff books, like this Punisher holiday special, that I think because it was, like, not this huge series, it wasn't, like, the Avengers or anything, they could be a little more experimental, and it ages so much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the books that... Because, like, the books that were the top A tier books... Got like the Rob Liefelds and the Jim yeah. Lees. These books, they they pick whoever they got on staff, and you got weird choices sometimes that ended up working out. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so it starts in Kansas, and it, this is very narration heavy with the Punisher narrating things. Yes, because he's he's saying like Kansas is flat as a pool table, great sniping country. Like I have a choice, and it's, he's set out outside of this house in the middle of like you know a, a snowy field. Mm-hmm. And, and through his uh, sniper lens, he's looking, he's watching for, like, a family because his target's inside. and Under, under being... witness protection. Yes. So there's, With... there's federal marshals all around, too. So the question that I have here, just in the immediate setup, yeah. is this guy is about to turn over a bunch of evidence mm-hmm. for the mob. He might have already turned over the evidence. But now he's then, like, Fuck but you. so my question is, so the, as you could imagine, like, the mob is about to show up and also try to kill him. Mm-hmm. But... What? So if the mob's trying to kill him, that means he still hasn't turned over the evidence, I would guess. Or it's revenge. It could be like a revenge. Yeah, it could be, it could be, yeah. Revenge. It could be to intimidate other witnesses too. They, they well, say later on, this guy okay. has his, his family, his wife and his son here, and there's a hit out on the entire family. It's meant to show a sign like, you know, you double cross me, your entire family is going to get killed, not just Okay, you. that makes more sense because I thought that he was trying, like, I thought the guy was about to turn over evidence. That's why they were going to kill him. And I was like, if the Punisher kills this guy, like, that sucks. Yeah. Don't <laughs> do that. I, 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 I assumed he was like he he's now getting away with his crime. He turned okay. over the evidence. Now he's like living free. Okay. Even, that that even, makes more. Even sense. in Ryan's scenario, uh, Punisher would probably plan to kill the rest of the mob too. Like he's just picking out this guy <laughs> out first. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need the the court case. Yeah, yeah. 
But I think, I mean, when they do show up, Punisher is basically like, well, now I get to kill all these guys too. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's laying down the field with like a sniper rifle, but then two truckloads of just mobster men come in and they start getting in a gunfight with the federal agents. And they're the wearing Punisher... ski masks and parkas and they start shooting out all, up all the... A bunch of Captain Cold show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Punisher gets into his vehicle and he like rams into one of their cars as the, the the his target inside has to take his family upstairs. Yeah, I really I, I I know I said this before, but like I do think the gunfights are so interesting because of the fact that you see people always after they've been shot, kind of. So it's yeah. like instead of just like someone hiding behind a corner going pew pew pew, and then another person shoots pew pew pew, and then they're behind a the corner. It's like mm-hmm. it's always these action shots of Punisher in this pose, like shooting people, and then they're they're already filled with bullets, like like reeling as they're shooting it like midair like in their death throes and the Mm -hmm. the federal agents and the mobsters also in those like shooting each other as well it's just like i was able to really follow the action and be invested in it because of the way it was done yeah and sometimes you'll see like a slew of bullets where you'll see the the guy's literal clothes like stretched because the bullets are like pulling their shirts out yeah it's crazy it's, it's it's and, it's pretty intense. And on, really on top of this is like the Punisher's narration of him like talking about like him using his weapon because he he pulls out an assault rifle and he's like a forty mil bloop round should keep the ball rolling. Marco packed these rounds with Semtex wrapped in king steel wire. Loud and mean throws fine shrapnel spray for thirty yards around. And then he thinks about throwing a grenade into the house to bring it down, kill everyone. But he's like, there's a wife and kid inside. Like someone's got to think about them. Yeah. And you have like the husbands upstairs having his it's family hide in a. Yeah, main target guy. I love this. Hide, scene. In, hide in a closet, and then he just bolts it to like run away. And his he, hides wife... his fa- he hides his family. He, he hides his family in the closet, and then leaves them. Like, and he says, "Like, I'm going to." Uh, I'm like, going to lure them away from you and Kenny. And she's like, "No, you're running, Nikki. Don't lie to me." Yeah, yeah. And then she tells the son, "She's like, fuck, your father sucks." Yeah, <laughs> she holds the son, and she's like, "Your father's no good, Kenny. Never was." And then she's like, Shh, someone's coming. And then you see, like, bullet holes, like, the light from outside as the, like, the bullet hole. The light from the hallway shining in through bullet holes as the wife yeah. gets murdered now. Yes. Yeah. And then the kid's yeah. laying down. Like, the kid's terrified. A guy pulls puts a gun to his head. But then the Punisher stabs him in the back. That yeah. It's, again, these, these like, these, these, wait, the O gets me, too. Because I think, like. In, in comics and TV shows and stuff, it's always like they either say a cool line or they say nothing. But in reality, yeah. people have like gasps, like death gasps as uh, they die. Yeah, and it's yeah. like that. It, it it was portrayed so well here, where I I actually was like, uh, or the, you know. the comic book thing is like yarg, like in big letters yeah, or something. In, instead of like <laughs> it's yeah, like I, the word bubbles like straining on over his O as he dies. Yeah. yeah. And then the Punisher's like, the kid's in shock. I try to force a smile. Maybe that just makes things worse. And he starts bringing him downstairs. He also lies to the kid. The kid. He's like, we're going for a ride. And the kid's like, yep. my mommy? And he's like, yeah, she'll be here later. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like he lies to him about that. <laughs> Based on that, you can tell. But this is a really young kid. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like six or seven. And you see dead federal marshals everywhere, too, which is something that, uh, I don't know, a lot of fiction doesn't like to show dead cops everywhere. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, oh, that is, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I won't spoil this other thing, but never mind. <laughs> never mind. No, I'm gonna spoil it. I'm gonna spoil it. If, if you guys have ever, it's only the first 15 minutes of this movie. If you guys ever watched the raid, it's a martial arts movie. Oh yes, that was. But crazy. like the cops all get murdered in the first 15 minutes, and I was like, when I was watching it, I'm like, I've never watched so many cops just get brutally slaughtered. Like it's something that fiction doesn't often like to 
show. Yes. Show comics, especially because it was literally against the law for decades. Yeah, like, they couldn't show it. <laughs> so watching, seeing all these federal marshals, they're they're like slumped all like intertwined with each other on the staircase. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's and also brutal. intertwined with bodies of mobsters. Too, yeah, like, it's, in the kitchen. It's, it's very brutal and gory. Yeah, but without without a lot of blood, like no blood, but it's go- it's brutal anyway. Yeah. 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 The kid asks him, are you a marshal? And he's like, I'm kind of unofficial. Like a spy? And he just says, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes and, him into so, his car. Yep, takes him to his car. He drives off. And he's, like, looking at him and kind of, re- like, reminds him of his own son. My boy was around the same age when I last saw him. That was before. Before I went to war. Before I traded my heart for a stone. And then he stops at a gas station. And the kid's like, I gotta go pee. And he's like, oh, you can pee after I head in here. Yeah, he wants to go. He leaves the kid in the car and goes to the store. And you can see uh, uh, the kids sneaking out of the car and got uh, guys in another car uh, spotting the kid and pulling out their guns. And they're like, they're a second string of mobsters that were meant to go in if the first group of mobsters had failed. And I like that he brings up that they're they're not like good you know bench your second yeah, yeah they're your bench warmers your second stringers for a reason it's also so funny to me that while punisher while this is happening punishers is in in like the 7-eleven or whatever yeah. and this guy's just like you're heading south and punishers in his full costume in like the, the spandex skull. with his belt yeah. with his big skull covered in guns and he's like no and the guy's like gotta go warm snow sucks right and punishers like i know the snow sucks <laughs> it's so funny to me yeah. so, i imagine he thinks this is just a guy in the punisher like you know there's also wear Punisher shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, Punisher he shoots, man, huh? <laughs> yeah. He shoots all the, the, the second string of mobsters, and then the kid's trying to run away again, and Punisher gets in the car, and then he swerves around and stops in front of the kid, and he says, get in the back and stay down. Do like I tell you this time. Yeah. And, and then he tells the kid to, like, lay down and get some sleep. And the thing that I really like about this scene, too, is he's, the kid's like, you're not a cop, but you're not a bad guy. What are you? And he's like, I'm just a concerned citizen. The kid's like, you know, my dad's got lots of friends like that. They don't do much, but they hang around the house. And when I ask my dad what they do, he tells me to just shut up. And like, I really like this idea that like the, the kid can't distinguish between just like hired goons from the mob and a vigilante. Because if you don't understand the morality of the world, like they're kind of the same. Yeah, yeah both yeah. guys with guns, they're like, shut up. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so that uh, and then he wa- he tells the kid to go to sleep, and the kid's like he can't, but he's like oh, just try. And he watches the kid through the rearview mirror, uh, sleeping, and he he comments, uh, "I used to watch my kids sleep just like this, just watch them sleep and wonder at their dreams. Now they dream all the time." And then yeah. as he's watching the kid, another car of mobsters comes up and like slams into him. And he says, ah, you know, I wasn't watching. I let down my guard for a second. They shoot through the window. They, they shoot, shoot like through the arm. Yeah, him through yeah. the arm. So this is why I love Chuck Dixon's writing because uh, he had just this idea before uh, how yeah. he's going to win the gunfight because uh, to win the gunfight, you can't be afraid to die. Yeah, so he says, I love that. He's like, yeah. you, you you have to go into a, uh, any of these fights just not caring whether you win or lose. Like, And that's yeah. such an interesting idea that the fear and hesitation and fear of death makes people hesitate because they don't want to go into a deathly situation. But he's, yeah. as someone who's lost it all, is like, I don't yeah. give a fuck if I die. So yeah. I will yeah. I will win. And yeah. he brings it up here saying, oh, do you want to play chicken? And the chicken rules are seen as a gunfight. So now uh, you, you can't care what you're going to lose. So he just rams his car in front of the other car and starts shooting them uh, shooting them at them while his they're, car's in front of theirs. Yeah, they're, they basically, he spins the car to its side. So they basically T-bone him as mm-hmm. he's shooting through the windshield out of his like uh, driver's side window. Yeah. Yep. 
And so he he kills them, and then him and the kid now have to walk through the snow on, like, the side of the road. And as uh, they approach... Basically, they, they walk. So they, they approach. Uh, there's a police. Um, police yeah, are like an interstate now. S- yeah. section, yeah. and it's police. Checking for mooks. <laughs> yeah. They, Checking they cars. They locked up. They have to stay locked up to check your cars. And uh, Punisher is heading towards them across the snowy field. Yeah, and he says, You should go with them. The, the police will make sure that no one hurts you. And he says, I want to stay with you. I want you to take me to my daddy. And he says, Your daddy's dead, son. He died back at the house. And he's like, uh, Okay, it's an, I want to stay with you. And narration says, heart of stone. And he tells him, your father's dead, and I killed him. And then the kid just freezes up and walks away. Yeah, he like, looks at him like terrified, and then he just walks over to the police. Don't know if he'll yeah. tell the cops about me. That's the chance I take. That's the only way you win this game, by not caring. And that's the end of this story. I love this story so much. <laughs> it's pretty good. I really it. was real it. dark. <laughs> Yeah, and I yeah. like this little war journal thing at the end, too. Like, I was reading through this, and the, at the end of the second issue, which we didn't, we weren't supposed to read, but I, I read the, the, <laughs> the Arsenal thing at the end of there, too. And mm-hmm. it just talks about the different guns he uses and why he likes them and what, how he's used them in his life and stuff. Yeah, like I'm the like, modifications he's made to Yeah, them. I'm like, this is really cool because you can really, it really builds character on this guy and that he's, he knows this shit, like... Yeah. from top to bottom it's not because it's one of those things that it can be hard to buy into the idea of the punisher i'm like how does one guy win gunfights against 10 people but he's yep. like he's so immersed in this life that he is the expert on shooting people yeah that's why that's why i find it interesting because uh the, the war journal and, and like the, as a concept and punisher's narration is so ingrained with the character mm-hmm. like even to this day so like it's even though like a lot of these writers aren't as, as accredited as they are as the of the modern comics like all the concepts are still the character and uh, yeah. trying, so you can still feel the influence uh, in modern day. Mm-hmm. And like, I love Chuck Dixon's writing a lot and I like this book a lot, but it's funny. Cause like, you could definitely tell our tastes cause the gun stuff, I was like, I could not give less of a shit about this, <laughs> but like, I understand that that's a big draw for the Punisher character. It's, it's good world building. Interesting yeah. It's, good. yeah. It's, it's, so yeah, it's, it's, I recognize that it's good, but while I was reading, I was just like, man, give me more sad kids with dead dads. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So now we're trans- just transitioning to another happy Christmas story. <laughs> yeah. This one is I feel like we had Robin. to put these on Patreon because this is like too dark for mainstream yeah. TV or podcasting. This is a rated R Christmas special. Yeah, it truly is. So we're going to be doing Detective Comics 826 from 2007. And this is written by Paul Dini, who most people know as the creator and head writer of the Batman animated series and the Superman animated series. Mm, and uh, this that. was... This is my favorite Batman era, personally, because you had Grant Morrison doing crazy, crazy stuff on the main Batman book, and you had Paul Dini doing mostly one-offs, just, like, fun villain stories, and, like, kind of just, like, more like the cartoon of just, like, good Batman stories over in Detective Comics, and they were going at the same time, and it was such a cool time to like read it and nobody ever really talks about any of those books anymore but this issue comes up a lot in like favorite joker stories lists mm-hmm. huh. i can definitely see it yeah people don't talk about eras as much but uh that's something uh, ryan uh, made me more aware of because there are there are points where the quality of the entire uh series is, is up but people yeah. when people look back on on books they just look at runs you look at well, you had this whole era where you had the top talent on all the band books, and they're mm-hmm. all were freeing their own yeah. way. Well, that's what I mean about like '90s Chuck Dixon. He was writing like Batgirl and Robin and Detective and Batman, like and like the whole line. Even when he wasn't writing them, they still were like cohesive and had like they were all building towards the same kind of tone and world and goal. 
And, like, I think that's one of the things, like, we always complain about Batman having, like, four books or X-Men having, like, ten different titles. But when they're all in sync together, it's it's just more good comics. When they're bad is when it's, like, it's impossible to follow. But, like, Dinny's detective run doesn't really cross over with Bat- Morrison's Batman at all. They're very separate. And it's, like, it's fun because if whatever you're looking for out of the franchise, you can get in one of the two books. Mm-hmm. So, the so here sto- we go. The story opens with Tim Drake as Robin, and he's uh, driving away from people shooting at oh, him. Oh, and it's called Slay Ride. Yeah. S-L-A-Y-R-I-D-E. <laughs> and, and his narration explains that, like, I hate when things go wrong, and today they've really gone wrong. And he was trying to uh, bust this drug deal that was going on, but uh, a rival... Now they're chasing after him. Yeah, rival, rival dealers came to shoot it out, and he got caught in the middle. So now that they're, they're chasing after him, so he has to, like, crash his bike... He jumps away from the car and he throws like a smoke grenade inside of it. And then he starts like running away from the car again. And someone pulls up and opens their door. And it's like, Robin, Robin, over here. And it's like, I don't know who it is, but I don't care. I need distance from those thugs. Besides, He any also pl- like, he, he got shot in the cape. And like, he says like the armor will hold. But like, you could tell he's like barely making it out of this yeah. as it is. Yeah, he got, he got two cars on him, and they're both uh, yeah. trying to run him over. Yeah. I need distance from those thugs. Besides, any port in a storm, and then it just shows the Joker's gr- smiling, grinning face, and he's like, sup? And then he gasses him, <laughs> and he passes out. Yeah. And, and this is... It, it, well, he's passed out. He flashes back to him talking to... It's Dick Grayson. Okay. Yeah, while, while, while uh, Tim Drake is passed out uh, from the Joker's gas, he's flashbacking to... Dick Grayson talk about uh, Joker because it's the uh, thing that's so funny. So it's Tim, it's Tim Drake and Dick Grayson watching Marx Brothers movies and just hanging out and playing darts while Batman is outside, like jumping off poles and like <laughs> smashing wood blocks. Training, like he's training yeah. so hard, and they're just hanging out watching movies. That's what Batman does to hang out. <laughs> he hangs out in the next room, beating stuff up. <laughs> yeah, this actually reminds me a lot of um, I forget which Christmas episode it was in the anime series, but. Batman wants to go out Batmaning, and Dick Grayson's like, "Let's just sit home and watch It's a Wonderful Life." Like, oh yep, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, Tim Drake is asking about Joker. He's like, "You ever think about him?" And he's like, "There's like not much to tell about him, you know. He, whatever had happened to him, he was a failed comedian, and the the accident that had happened to him turned him into what he is now. But he loves what he does. I've seen him saunter into a room and then stop just to listen to those first curious whispers and savor how quickly they turn into screams." It's candy to him, a sip of rare wine, a chorus of a favorite song. And Tim Drake says, blood in the water. And Batman comes in saying, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So he savors, like, the, you know, people suffering. He enjoys it so much. And Tim yeah. Drake starts to come, too, as, like, the memory fades out. And it's just and the, the Joker's... Joker's singing holiday song. <laughs> yeah. And, rap- the... and uh, Robin's wrapped up in, like, Christmas uh, yeah. hostage gear, like, like Christmas lights around him. He's got it's like on tape him. and Christmas lights. And he's got a he's got a, a yeah an ornament in his yep. mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hiya, kiddo. Sorry about the gas, <laughs> but I didn't want you. But I didn't want you getting the wrong idea and start pounding your old Uncle Joker. And I yeah. I love this so much because he's just like uh just you know I just so you know I tossed your utility belt out the window ten minutes ago. You know I can't have you doing that. And he's yeah, like precautions and all that. Yeah, he's like, it's just funny that I happen to be out here. You know, we're all we never just hang out. We never do this anymore. We're always like, you know, f- trying to destroy each other. <laughs> but I figured, why not? Why not cut him a break? Let's just hang out. 
Yeah, so he's like he says like I wasn't planning to meet up with you, but it's like a lucky. There's like a one million chance that I I, I meet you where I did. And since it's Christmas, maybe we could have a truce. Like I don't want to, you know, Christmas spirit is you know it, it makes me feel like pressing my advantage would be anticlimactic. But I'm gonna let you go uh, as soon as we. Yeah, find and the whole time place... Tim Drake's narration is just like, don't react. He's lying. Don't give him anything yep. to work with. Yeah, and it shows like the Joker's messing with the temperature in the car. He's he has up to ninety degrees in the car. He's trying to like sweat him out. <laughs> oh yeah, in his yeah, own and, suit. <laughs> and Robin says like, because he's distracted from the from the Joker thing, and like the the heat and the Joker vendors make him want to go back to sleep. Yeah. yeah, and so he's like, use the pain in your shoulder to stay awake. Yeah, being like shot. And he says, don't react. Don't give him anything. And it, it's a cool like juxtaposition throughout like this whole thing where you get like Joker saying something, and since Robin can't talk, it's just a little tiny like narration bubble of his reaction to all of the Joker what he's saying. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like how Joker's like, yeah, no, I'm gonna let you go. We're just at the end of this, and he's like, it's some kind of trick. It's gotta be a little present from me to you in honor of all the. And then he just hits this guy that was walking in the middle of the street. And he's like, oh my god, did you see it? That oh, poor car. old man. Hits him with his car. Yeah, yeah, hits him with the car. He ran right in front of me. We better back up and help him. And he runs him over. He's like, it's so, oh, that wasn't a it's good so idea. Brutal. And, he, and then he says, yeah. can you turn around and look? See if he's okay. And there's two dead people in the back, and they have the Joker, like, what do you call that? Like, laughing gas? The back, the back of the yeah. car. So the back seat. So you could tell, uh, like, like, Joker just killed his family and stole their car. Yeah. And they have like the giant grins on there. It's so it's so creepy. The, yeah. And then and then he called Joker calls 911 and he's like, "Yes, I'd like to report a hit and run corner of Market and Broom." And then he hits another lady. He's like, "Oops, my bad. Make that Market and Boyle." <laughs> yeah. And it's really it's really dark cuz it was like where Phil was saying, I think with the last comic like with Punisher, I like expect people to get shot and to get like murdered and stuff, but I feel like it's so rarely do you see Joker killing people in like a batman comic because this was like wow this is like really dark especially this is again like a a holiday kind of story because as this lady's getting murdered by the joker as the car hits her you see a like her bags fly out and there's presents inside because she was buying them for her family and friends and and it's it's worse because it's like it's not like one or two he starts to just drive on the sidewalk and hit all these people he's just like literally just running over people who are holiday shopping and and this show this and and it also shows the just like the Joker as a character pretty well because jo- Joker is play, like playing this as a black comedy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Robin he goes under on, on beneath his gag he's saying son of a bitch and Joker just saying oh there's no reason for that kind of language it is snowing outside the roads do get slippery and he keeps running over people with his car. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is like this is to go back to your point about like you never really see the Joker kill people you you too often don't see him take like a personal stake he'll like murder. 10,000 people with some gas attack but like yeah. this is like he's just picking out random people that's that's the thing it's them. the indiscriminate violence rather than like the plant like a bomb that will bl- it's like if that bomb goes off it'll blow up like an orphanage and kill kids and you're like yeah. wow that's really dark but here it's just like watching him just kill people for fun is like yeah. the real like it's an evil that you rarely see or at least I've rarely read from Batman off screen high number deaths like yeah. you know, Coast City, yeah. R.I.P. But yeah, like, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's it's not as for me. It you don't feel as, the like, impact of that as seeing yeah. someone get hit and their shopping bag flies open with a present inside. You're like, that's a present this person's never gonna get. Yeah, like personal murder. It's the same yeah. way people like you. You've heard that quote a million times. Like killing from, one person is murder, right? But like yeah. millions are just a statistic because you have no personal. You can't see the human in it anymore when it just becomes numbers. But yeah. to actually have someone go and stab someone to death, for example, most people cannot do that because yeah. it's just it's too it's it's against our nature. 
And this is my favorite type of Joker is the like, like, I feel like the animated series did this well, too. I mean, it's written by the same guy, so it makes sense. But like where he's funny, he's like actually funny, but like you can't laugh because he's also terrifying. Yeah. You don't know what he's going to do. And like, that's why like the super serious Joker takes I don't like as much because like this, like he's saying jokes that are pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. The the super serious ones where it's like, it's not so he's supposed to be making an actual point about society. Whereas here, this is like, this is your worst nightmare living, like being trapped with this guy rather than like, oh, that's interesting. This premise is so fascinating because you rarely see someone in the Bat family just have to watch yes. and have no agency whatsoever. Yeah. It's like now it cuts to after he's just rolling through the sidewalk, Joker's just like, you're kind of testy. Are you hungry? I'm starved. What's that eggnog place? I could go for one of those. And like, he's just like, oh, I know they're fat, but I love them. Robin's narration is like, okay, this is it. This is the gag. He's going to kill everyone and he's going to make you watch. And he starts thinking, it's like, all right, think about it. There's a young couple. They bought presents, toys. That means they have a kid. Kids drop things in the back of the seat. There's got to be like a broken CD cover, a pencil, a tool, something. And he, founds, he finds a toy car. And he's like, I pop off the hood. I use the hood to cut the ropes. And while this is going on, Joker goes to this drive through and he starts like ordering really fast everything that he wants. And the woman's like, sir, you'll have to talk slower. So then he pulls up into to the window he's like ah oh, the incompetence here you know i demand to see your uh manager and the manager comes up and he's like i'm sorry sir how may i help you and the funny thing i was thinking is sort of like with the punisher thing i'm like how do these people not know this is the joker driving <laughs> especially living and in just, gotham <laughs> yeah. just probably, I, I imagine there's lots of people that just dress up as joker as, as a fucking just like many people how many people dress just up in stupid shit in uh the real world but, like, as, as serial killers were currently on the loose, I bet no one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also, like, you know, he's in a he's in a car, and I feel like if I worked at a drive-thru, it would just be so rote. I wouldn't even look. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the manager comes up, he's like, how, how may I help you, sir? And he just shoots him in the head. He's like, he's like I really yeah. wanted those shakes. Yeah. Yeah, and to, and to butcher that point about uh, Joker being a funny, I, I, the way I found out about this comic was people would post this as, like, a meme. Uh, this, this page of Joker shooting a fast food guy. People are like, this is so hilarious. So like, <laughs> so it, like, uh, so that, that shows like the 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 humor potential, even though it's a dark scenario. Like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. A dark I, this this on. is like out the the funniest things. It's just like him shooting this manager. And yeah, the, the thing is, I feel like this issue also showcases Tim Drake really well too, because you see his like you see his inner narration that like he's scared, like something you would never hear like Batman do. But he's also like trying to be super resourceful, and I like. That they, like, so often detective stories don't show enough actual detective work. And mm-hmm. just seeing him think through, like, okay, there's a couple, there's presents, there has to be kids. Like, oh, here's a toy. Like, that, I really like that it shows mm-hmm. that Tim is smart and resourceful, even though he's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm really scared. Yeah. I, I also think it's brilliant because uh, if Bama's in the situation, you would know Bama will get out of it eventually. Well, one of the points is that Joker is not familiar with, I mean, Rob's not familiar with Joker. And so now so Joker t- killed the last Robin. I was I was gonna say I when I'm reading this I'm like you know I've seen Robins die I am not 100 percent sure this Robin doesn't die. So, but I think and I think that's a brilliant from uh, setting setting uh, the suspense because you could Batman you, this is Batman you'd be like whatever it's Batman has experienced this probably millions of times but uh, yeah. uh, it's clear that Tim Drake is not as familiar with, with Joker mm. based on that flashback. So then yeah. speaking of Tim his plan with this car. <laughs> Yeah. This breaks my heart every time. Jo- Joker's it. like, oh, well, life's full of disappointment because he didn't get his shake. And he says, that reminds me, I better get rid of this. And he snatches the car out from his gloves. The toy, the toy car, the toy car. Yeah, yeah he's like, like, I just thought it'd be a fun prank to let you think you could get away. <laughs> yeah, and just like the, the same prank with saying, I'm going to let you go at the end of this. 
And he's like, don't don't worry about like feeling for anything under the seat. I promise you anything's not there. It's a really good like drawing of Joker looking like real crazy and manic. And so Tim tries to just like cool down. He's like, there's always a way out. You got you to keep thinking. And he and pulls like, my like hands. The, my hands are really sweaty, which might he starts thinking this is good. And I can, maybe I can pull my hand out. Out of his gloves, right. which are tied to behind his back. And he pulls yeah. the ornament out from his mouth. And it's the Joker. The Joker does. Joker uh, now it's like he grabs the gag off Robin's mouth, and yeah. says like, uh, uh, "Like uh, tell me, like he wants, BC wants Robin yeah. to talk to him." Yeah. If you won't plead with me for your life, I'm sure you'll speak up for someone else's. Ooh, looky, kids and Santa. Now there's my wish come true. And he starts just driving towards them. And he's like, "Are you sure there's nothing like you want to ask about this?" Sure, if you got nothing to say for dear old Santa Claus, and Robin says. Yeah, I love this so much because it's Joker is smiling and Tim's really frowning and he's like, you can't fool me. There ain't no sanity clause, <laughs> which is a Marx Brothers quote, which Joker's Joker like, ah, like, oh, so I get much. that. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, very good, a Marx Brothers quote. And because he made him laugh, he doesn't kill these kids. Yeah, he yeah. swerves out of the way of Santa and all these kids. And I love Robin. So uh, Robin decides to start trolling Joker at this point. Yeah, saying, "Sure, I love the big store." And he's like, "That's not from the big store. That's from a night, night at, at the, the opera. opera." And he's like, "No, I'm pretty sure it's." It and Joker was... gets so upset. Yeah, he's you like, call yourself a fan. It's from the contract scene. Groucho and Chico are going back and forth over the the singer's deal and tearing up bits of the. And then Tim Trey cracks him in the mouth. Yeah, he finally he yeah. got his hands loose, and now he's basically making his escape, grabbing the the. Rearview mirror and start smashing Joker's face with it. And he says, like, one chance to do this fast. Don't make jokes. Just go Batman on his ass. <laughs> just jumps into the backseat. Joker tries to punch him, but he holds up one of the dead bodies and he slams oh, into their brutal. teeth. Yeah, so, like, yeah. you know, punch, punching some... Uh, so he grabs one of the Jokerized people and uses them as, like, a body shield. And yeah. He sprays when, when Joker in by... the face and then yeah. he's, like, he starts rolling out of the, the, the car. And he's like, no, you don't win this way. Not with my own damn joke. Now he uh, I, 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 he fell out of the car and he sees a truck coming towards him and he says, "If this weren't happy to me, it would be funny." Ah, what the hell? I could take a joke. And he jumps off the side <laughs> before the truck can hit him. Uh, I, and, he uh, gets hit. It I says wham. Oh, he right. It says wham. It says wham. And he falls into oncoming traffic on on the on the, on the bridge. Yeah. yeah, but then you get the the you know the scene where it's Robin. And he's like, any point in hoping that they found his body on the street? And Batman's like, doesn't look like it. <laughs> He says, I'm my proud favorite of you, thing, Tim. My favorite thing about this is Batman's still so dark. and Well, he's he's nice to Tim. He's like, I'm proud of you, Tim. You took the worst Joker could give and you beat him. That may not make you feel better about his victims, but he won't be hurting anyone else for a long time. And Tim's like, that's something, I guess, Batman said. Sometimes that's all we get. And I just like the idea that Batman's like, he's definitely not dead, but he got fucked up so bad that at least he'll be gone for a <laughs> yeah. little while. I could do to him, so if you did to him, uh, you, you got A+. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> And at at the end of that, I was like, "You really should just kill the Joker." I don't. I, <laughs> yeah. There's no moral quandary about this. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah. So that's that to me is like a perfect example of Denny's style, where like this is just one issue. It's a regular size, like 22 pages, and this is a to, to me at least a really great take on the Joker. It's a really compelling story that does all the characters justice, and it's concise. Mm -hmm. And it's like I love this book. It's tense, it's, really it's dramatic, yeah. it's like frightening, and it, it, like you said, it showcases the Joker really well, where you're like, it's this terrifying humor that like you don't want to be trapped with. If you want a single issue to show what, what the Joker is, I think this is a good yeah. mm -hmm. uh, display. 
Also, yep. it's just like you could tell that he comes from like a serialized background with TV because like the Groucho Marx, like the Marx Brothers setup and payoff mm. is so good. Yep. It's just like a short, quick. And when you see them just like watching a, a, a Marx Brothers movie, he pivots to talking about the Joker as like a comedian figure. So it could just be establishing, you know, just like some sort of character point. But instead, it actually has a payoff. And like, yeah, I just think this very is like smart. But both of these issues yeah. that we read for this weren't very holiday issue like oriented, <laughs> but they were both very good. Yeah, yeah. This, this, is, this is what I consider a great holiday issue. That's why I them. <laughs> it's it's I as mean, holiday as like Die Hard is holiday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It takes place technically in the holiday yeah. season. If we didn't read The Punisher dressing up as Santa, that would have been holiday. To me. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to be Santa. The Joker's wearing a Santa hat the whole time, yeah. so that makes oh, oh, yes, yeah. sense. Right. But he didn't yeah, dress so, up as Santa. He wore Santa hats. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to dress up as Santa. <laughs> I mean, there is the Santa he almost runs over. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the real Santa. You don't know. I don't know. Did Santa show up after this story? Uh, I have to go check. <laughs> Maybe. Well, he doesn't kill him, remember, because of the the reference. Oh yes, it's Joker, Robin saves Santa's life. Robin saves Santa. So okay. anyway, yeah. So until, that's what until we. We'll get some. <laughs> yeah, until <Lobo> gets... <laughs> so that's what uh... we decided not to do for our episode, and I'm glad we did it anyway here on the Patreon because that was yeah. Fuck the rules. We do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the rules we make. <laughs> okay, so thank you guys for another month of backing us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. I've been Ryan. I've been Sly. I've been Phil. I've been Daryl. Stay in Patreon mode. Hello and welcome to another Patreon extravaganza with the Divisive Issues Boys. Woohoo! And we don't say our, we don't say our names, so you're just gonna yeah, have to you figure know it us. out. <laughs> you know these am I, names, Daryl and my Phil. <laughs> so this time we're dipping into a classic. Patreon well, and we're going to talk about Tom King. (laughs) Yeah, our favorite. But we're going to talk about an issue that Tom King wrote back when he was like DC's up and coming fan favorite. Okay, that explains a lot because this is way better written than anything else. I I agree. When when you guys said it was Tom King, I was like, but I like this. (laughs) So this is one of the uh, this is one of the books that is why I was excited to. Uh, do Heroes in Crisis at the time because I was like, this is this is like this is the kind of style that I thought was very fresh and ref- and cool. And he was nominated for an Eisner, which is like the comics version of the Oscars, for best humor publication for this issue. Him oh. and the Flintstones, neither of them are really funny, but whatever. <laughs> but and Tom King the that fact year that they exist is funny. Yes, <laughs> and Tom King that year won the Eisner for best writer. Hmm. Not necessarily for this issue, but overall with his work on Batman. Truly, truly went and to his for, And for this issue. <laughs> so, yeah, which what, is... What did I say about James Jim, Matias? Every time a writer gets, becomes big, it becomes shit. I told you guys. <laughs> yes. So it's always good to just make them stay, like, kind of hungry all the time. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so he won, he won the Eisner for Best Writer, and this was mentioned in why he was nominated for it as well. So we are doing the... Batman Elmer Fudd special, <laughs> yep. uh, written by Tom King, drawn Called, by Lee Weeks, and Lee up. Weeks. Play for me. What? That's the name of the oh, issue. Is okay. play, play for me. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> Lee Weeks. Lee Weeks is an, an, an like a very classic, definitive comic artist. He wrote. He drew Daredevil for like a decade. And like, if you're gonna tell a rainy noir story, you, there's really few artists in the game right now you could get that 
are gonna work as well as Lee Weeks, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, least. and if you're gonna do Elmer Fudd, you gotta do a rainy noir story. <laughs> yeah, art wise, uh, this feels like a '90s comic with like better coloring. Uh, yes. So, so this is. I mean, he did draw Daredevil from '90 to '98, so that makes sense. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, you could you could yeah. tell like it's not like a typical like modern artist. It's a very yeah. And style. this was part of a, of a series of several. Uh, DC Looney Tunes crossovers that were a lot of them were like gritty reboots kind uh, of comics things. deserve to burn. But, <laughs> but this was the same thing. This was the same era that did like this came out at the same time as like Flintstones. They were yeah. starting to rebrand that property in a way that was like interesting and new. And I remember like getting these books when they came out, and like I think this is a really cool idea. This, DC 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 at this time. Had these properties like who's gonna read a fucking Looney Tunes car- uh, comic? Like, you're gonna watch cartoons about Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. yeah. but everyone's gonna want to see how the fuck do you mix Batman and Elmer Fudd together? Yeah. And one thing that I do want to say is they do. People never talk about this because like most of like the kid friendly or all ages books that DC Marvel put up are like not in continuity and very separate. But they were they had been pu- publishing and still do publish like all age cartoony Saturday morning type. Looney Tunes stories. It's just this is the first time they started to take the property and do what, like I think, creatively Weird interesting experimentations things. with them. Yeah, 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 and like I think that that's much cooler to me than reading another Elmer Fudd story that's the same as the cartoons I watched when I was five. Yeah. So. Oh man, and this is this story like to Tom King's credit, I think this is probably the best thing, ironically, that we've read. That's so that's, so that's so funny because you're the one that puts him saying, "Oh, uh, here's a crazy, so ambitious and stuff," and but now his yeah. Elmer Fudd work like, trumps everything else. Well, it's because it, it actually does work here, whereas Heroes in Crisis doesn't work, even if it's like more interesting than like Noir Elmer Fudd, which is ridiculous. I do also think that, uh, for what it's worth, based on our history of doing this show, I find that the three of us, especially Sly and I, are much more willing to just buy into, like, the suspension of disbelief, like, Elmer Fudd's gritty now, sure, Mm -hmm. where I know, like, Daryl, you're like, okay, all of this stuff is written in Elmer Fudd's voice, that's a little harder of a pill for you to swallow than it is for us. Like, listen, play for me. So hard, you forget you've ever been dry, I'd like to see it out there in the past or in the future. We're both waiting. That's the whole narration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, did you, did you, were you okay with this? Because I know you get very particular about, like, a narration style, like. Well, it has, it's Elmer Fudd. I'm, I'm, I have to accept it. Like, if, uh, what do you <laughs> have to accept like, it. Like, it's, it's based on the premise. Like, Elmer Fudd talks like this. Yeah. But when yeah. you get to a little girl in Bleach going, like, Ifigo, are you okay? You're like, <laughs> no, this is unreadable but, garbage. But the thing is, Bleach isn't on the cover. Like, this is the story of a little girl that talks like yes, this. Yes, exactly. This has Elmer Fudd on the cover. <laughs> yes. You're buying an Elmer Fudd book. <laughs> okay, all right. My name so, is Elmer Fudd. Yeah. <laughs> hunting, I'm hunting rabbits. <laughs> and then he walks into Porky's bar. He yep. says, I watch him take his West Cowit. Of course he's calm. Like, he doesn't have a care. And then we see a mobster there going, eh, what's up, eating, yeah, eating so, carrot. so immediately here is where you get, like, the, the spin on it where all of the Looney Tunes characters are, like, in this bar, but they're all humans that just have, like, you know, these nicknames and stuff. So Elmer Fudd is actually just a, like, a, a bounty Hit, hunter Hitman. going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitman with a shotgun. We should clarify. Uh, I just say, so we should clarify. Elmer Fudd looks like a realistic Elmer Fudd. Like, yeah. uh, human proportions. Like, all these guys look realistic. Yeah. I, but, but Elmer Fudd still looks like Elmer, like, he still has Elmer Fudd hat and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Bugs looks like, uh, uh, a, he's got, a, like, bu- a strong, 
overbite. Yeah, so he's, yeah. A guy, he's, a, he's just a guy. He's like, he's, just, he's, like, he's a rap, rascally guy uh, with uh, sh- uh, big teeth, basically. Yeah, they're yeah. all like like human mobster versions of what the characters would look like. And I do want to point out that tonight at Porky's, WC and the Roadrunners are playing a set. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and some one of the, the specials, specials is, is Thuffer and Thuffer and Thuffer and there's a lot in this bar. Every time I return to the bar, there's just like a million Looney Tunes characters. This is, this is all, this, a lot of this comic is just Looney Tunes references. Um, yeah, yeah. For instance, yeah. like Elmer Fudd's talking to him and he's like, didn't expect you to be here. I think I took a wrong turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> and I love Elmer Fudd's like, you seem to take a lot of wrong turns at Albuquerque. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's like, he's, he's, he says, uh, Fudd, you ever been to Albuquerque? Nope. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, this dark version of the Albuquerque joke. Yeah, yeah. And he, he also... I would also uh, Porky. Porky is the bartender, and because he's always behind the bar, we never see. Assuming that he's like Porky, I bet he's not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like uh, he definitely looks like he has like porcine features, I guess. And, and yeah. he, he's pouring carrot juice for uh, Bug, yeah. and, and they say earlier his nickname. He's Bugs. The bunny, like how mobsters have like a middle name, like yeah. A, yeah. A, you know, whatever. Uh, and he bugs the bugs the bunny, loves the game so much he doesn't even mind dying in it. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're talking, and Bugs is like, "Yeah, he had to kill me." It's like it's a bomb. He had a drink. Just drink. Well, that and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's telling him, "It's like, what if I tell you, like, I I wasn't the one that killed this person?" And he's like, "All right, who who would you say? Say what you want to say. It's a free country." Yeah. <laughs> you bring your shotgun. You think I'd come to a dance without a partner? Then it ain't that free. Uh, Bugs tells Albert Fudd that he's not the, uh, he's not the one that. Uh, killed uh whoever uh yeah. he said he said i did it i pulled the trigger on this lady but somebody paid me to pull the trigger yes, exactly yeah, yeah. And, and, also, it during... even, and even tries to do like the noir thing where he's just like you know all i've done i never thought i'd catch it and everyone's like everyone catches it bugs it ain't your fault there's a bullet at the end of all of our stories <laughs> yeah. and he's like yeah i know but who's out there saying the story's gotta end and uh, it's just like this is it. still elver fun and like i'm buying into it but every once in a while, you're just like, "Wait a second, this is dumb." Yeah. And while they're, they're like, having it's... while they're having this conversation, you see all these other Looney Tunes characters having conversations mm-hmm. in the bar. Like, I, I forget the guy's name. Tweety Birds in the back. He's like this short. He's like this short, like uh, little person. So I says to her, "Honey, I thought I thought Putty Tat moves <laughs> in that way. You know what I mean?" And I just go, "I did." I did see a putty tat. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. You get Foghorn Leghorn over here. Fog I say, boy, don't rush me. I got a worse hand than a blind dentist working on an alligator. And the bouncer is Yosemite Sam, who's just like this buff biker guy. Better don't bet varmint, but do it sooner or I'll blast your damn head off. You get just this crazy guy at the Mohawk with Taz on his shirt beating people up. <laughs> yeah, there's a Marvin the Martian who's just yeah. like... Uh, it's a, just a crazy homeless so guy who's like, someday I'll blow up the whole world with my Imodium 836 piece <laughs> modulator. That will surely, surely improve you. the view. And the thing that I really like about these references and stuff and why I think this works is I don't think this book ever stops reminding you that like this is what it is mm-hmm. and like i think if it was like if he didn't have the narration i would be like what like you're trying to trick me into caring about this where like i like that it just keeps reminding you like no this is silly and it's okay to still buy into it, it. it goes mm-hmm. full full bore on both is his concepts which is why it works yes because yeah. if it was if it was just a, a great story with ra- random things showing up randomly it would be just be boring and those two looney tunes would just be like looney tunes be batman but now it's this yeah. weird amalgam Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so so he 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 says like they said that he he's trading information. He's like, I I did get paid, and he says, 
What's the name? Is it a trade? What's the name? Bruce Wayne. <laughs> says Bugs Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne? <laughs> and then flash flashback to a woman. A woman on the bed saying Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Now, this woman, actually, Phil, you know her from the small er- episodes before Daryl joined, but after you joined. That's Silver St. Cloud from the Kevin Smith books. So, so this, this is how we learn, yeah. uh, this is how, at least I learned, that Silver St. Cloud at least was alive for a while in the modern continuity. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, she was, she's not, Kevin Smith did not create her. She was from the Steve No, Edward no, I mean, like, I mean, like, because yeah. she, because according to, if, if Cacophony is canon, she died in the old continuity. And this is how we learn as a fan of Cacophony that she's alive <laughs> as a now. Fan of yeah. I but didn't like, recognize her here until I yeah. mentioned her later. I, I they, looked they it up because I was like, is that the actual name of the old lady? And like that like I thought they had made her because she has like gray hair too. And but she's oh. like really young here. Yeah, so I looked it <laughs> up. And I was like, oh, it's, just a, it's just That's a Batman so character. <laughs> yeah, I mean Silver St. Cloud like is one of my favorite Batman love interests. So like I thought that this was a cool idea to make her this like noir mm. like dame that they're trying to track down the killer of. Like I I, I thought it, it worked. Yeah, but it also made part. it more if... Batman than just uh you know like it's not all Looney Tunes. It's all it is a real crossover. Yeah. yeah. Here's the best part though. After he says Bruce Wayne. He says, congratulations. He throws a carrot at Bugs and leaves. And then Bugs goes, heh, ain't I a stinker? (laughs) (laughs) Just looking at the camera. I love that. And then we get, like, flashbacks to, like, when Elmer fucked because he was in a romantic relationship with I've never loved anyone like I love you, my little cloud. (laughs) Tell me you feel the same. Yeah. So I find it funny because uh, now I know Tom King well enough that I'm seeing his tropes. And this is, like, the trope of... Uh, men, broken men need a woman to yes. love and fix them. Yes, and every th- single fucking Tom King story is this. Even this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's like, I can't lie to you, Elmer. There was someone else, someone I will always love. Maybe you know him. I mean, everyone knows him. He's Bruce Wayne. And while this is going on, Elmer Fudd dresses up as a chauffeur. He takes people to Bruce Wayne's mansion for a party. and then he... My name is Elmer Fudd, and I'm hunting playboys. <laughs> And then he knocks on Alfred's door, or on, like, the door Alfred answers, and he has to return. He says that he has to return a phone to a, a young lady. Oh, yeah. This narration, yeah. I love so much. I didn't grow up in the fancy of the city. I grew up in the dirt of the country. You ate what you hunted. In duck season, you ate ducks. <laughs> in wabbit season, you ate wabbit. You didn't find your play, you starved. So you learned to find your play. Bruce Wayne! <laughs> Excuse me? Gun. <laughs> this is for my widow crowd. <laughs> and then he shoots him. blasts him. <laughs> yeah. And so after that, he, he leaves, and then uh, Batman shows up on the scene. Does it, like, show you how Bruce Wayne survived? It just, like... Uh, actually, actually, he just had body armor on, because he's Batman yeah. Yeah. at all times. So Batman goes, and he shows up. Uh, and we should clarify that uh, the, the actual assassination happened in the middle of a crowded ballroom scene. It's one of those scenes where everyone's so shocked by what happened that they don't react, and everyone's just yeah. running. And so Albert Fall comes away as everyone's running, and as he drives away, that's when Batman starts following after him. Yeah. yeah, we get more backstory here where he's telling, it's like, I love you, Elmer Fudd. I love you, Silver St. Cloud. And eventually, <laughs> eventually, I told her how I survived. Swore to her, the next would be the last. But the last, to get it right, the last. The last. <laughs> he comes back, and in there's a pool of blood, and, yeah, in the flashback, and just the carrot. He was saying the next would be the last, as in this is the last, last bounty one. he has to hunt because he's yeah. he's a bounty hunter. And, and I love this action scene so much. 
<laughs> yeah. So so Batman shows up. Elmer Fo- or Elmer Fudd hears something outside. A knock at the door. He answers it with his shotgun, and then Batman's behind him. And then Elmer Fudd puts the shotgun on his shoulder, like he, he's like carrying it, and then he like fires he it behind casual. him. He's like completely casual yeah. about like, oh my sh- my shotgun's on my shoulder, like I'm wrestling it, but he's actually yeah. preparing to shoot Batman from yeah. behind. And that's a classic <laughs> Fudd move. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Batman starts like dodging it. They get into like a fist fight against each other. Elmer Fudd I love that they're Elmer evenly is, matched. Elmer Fudd is very that pro. Evenly yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so he's a, he's a goddamn fighter. Like. And, and I, I always want to give credit to because we don't because uh, I always want to give credit to this. Uh, sorry if I'm a broken record. This this actually is a really uh, well uh, oh, yeah. planned out fight. Like you can uh, every every impact is important in this fight. Also, mm-hmm. no dialogue, and it's like every panel really matters. Like it's it's a I. Lee Weeks really shines in this. Like, if those ever fought, this would be, like, a, a serious, actual, uh, gritty, dark fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He deserved <laughs> it, you know. Bruce Wayne. He deserved to die. No one deserves, no one deserves to die. To die. <laughs> <laughs> if you had known my darling Silver State Cloud, if you had seen what Bugs did to her, you would know some wives aren't worth keeping around. And he's like, and Silver, this is the first Silver that Batman's heard of this. Yep. More than my Silver State Cloud. Swear to me. <laughs> what do you know about her? Yeah. So he's like, what do you know about her? And he's like, that she loved Bruce Wayne. I know she loved Bruce her. Wayne and he loved her. And yep. when he found out he was with me, he killed her. So I killed him. And he's and like, they mm. both go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they show up. At the bar again, knowing that something something's off about this. And yeah, because they talk to each other, and Bruce, he's, Batman tells Elmer, Bruce Wayne didn't hire anyone. Yeah, uh, Bruce Wayne survived and didn't hire anyone. And they they both say, "Hey, Bugs might have been lying." So we put aside our differences. And yeah, he, he says he says, "I don't trust him, but I don't trust the bunny either." So we're going to put our differences to the side and find the truth. And they go to Porky's. This is a hard place for hard men. They won't take kindly to your presence. Good. And Batman says, good. My name is Elmer, Elmer Fudd. He's Batman. And we are hunting rabbits. And so they kick down the door. Yeah, and there's they show a up. huge panel of, like, a uh, splash panel of everyone in the bar. There's one. One guy has a white stripe in his hair. He's obviously Pepe Le Oh, Lepidu. I didn't catch that one. Oh, That's yeah. Good. <laughs> That's good. And Bugs is just sitting at the bar, and then you have Yosemite Sam coming up. Look, fellow, we got no varmint policy here at Porky's. As far as I know, bad ain't nothing but varmint. <laughs> and That's a great joke. He's got the two akimbo pistols in his hands as yeah. he walks up to him, and then uh, Batman just punches him in the face. And he's like, you know, if everyone wants to play here, and Elmer Fudd says, we'll play with everyone. <laughs> then we get a thuffer and thuckatath as yeah. <laughs> a as a goon jumps at him and Elmer Fudd hits him in the nuts with his shotgun and he says, Yeah, your succotash definitely seems to be suffering. Suffering. <laughs> and he a Batman fights Taz. Oh man. Uh, he just, oh, that's Taz. That makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. he has the Taz on his jacket. And yeah, then he yeah. says <laughs> he puts the gun in someone's mouth. It, it's the, says, the guy. It's the guy who had the dancing frog, and yeah. he goes, "Hello, my honey. Yeah, yeah, Hello, yeah, my I, baby. I, I Hello, my wag time pal." Yeah, I find it hilarious because that could literally be like the guy from the original uh, uh, episode. The guy who's definitely yeah. trying to sell Mr. J. Frog. Mr. J. Frog only sings when uh, when no one's around. So uh, yeah. he basically is that guy trying to sell Mr. J. Frog, and no one buys it. But now he's saying, "Hello, my honey. Hello, my baby. Hello, my wag time pal." Yeah, um, you get like Batman slamming uh, Marvin the Martian's head into the table saying, don't worry, the cells at Arkham have a great view of Venus. And then you get one <laughs> panel of a guy getting punched to his head's all silhouetted. But as he's getting punched, he's saying, you're despicable. 
<laughs> uh, I wish I wish would be Chrissy more of what he did what they would do with uh, Daffy. Yeah. Yeah. So then, well, I think Daffy had his own crossover issue. I think. Oh, that's he why. did. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. Ev- ev- Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> Everyone's beat up, and Bugs is still sitting just at the table eating his carrots. And he turns around and goes, eh, "What's up, Docs?" <laughs> It was, uh, for what it's worth, it was the Joker meets Daffy Duck. Oh, my God. <laughs> God damn. And then Batman goes, Bugs, yep. why did you do it? Why did you kill Silver St. Cloud? And then someone down the table says, that's easy, eating a carrot. He did it because I asked him to. And it's Most Silver St. Cloud. Yeah. You're like, Most what? Most women come and, and leave her- you, and you can go on with your wife. You wake up, you do your job, and you go to sleep. Everything isn't great, but it's as great it can be. But then there's some woman. Just some woman. And she was some woman. Hi, boys. <laughs> and it reminds me of, like, because I had read this thing about, like, reading great, like, or writing great pulp stories. Where it's like, if you have to uh-huh. make it short, the most important thing is it has to be, like, a very interesting kind of murder. Something you haven't seen before. And there's also, uh-huh. like... a like a uh, last act twist is the more crazy it is, the more people will like buy into the hook and yeah. the premise. And it just reminded me of that where it's like how great of a story it is that like she hired a hit on herself essentially. And you're like, why, yeah. why, why did she do it though? And she explains yeah. to him where it's like, when I dated Bruce, I discovered that every night he became mm, dangerous. I left him because I didn't want danger. Then I found my little fuddy duddy safe, secure until he told me he was too dangerous he too was dangerous yeah, yeah. yes I, want, I wanted to leave i didn't want you to follow so i made i made nice with bugs and he helped me stage a little ruse when bugs asked me what to do if fuddy ever came after him i told him to call me and send fuddy to bruce wayne i figured the two of them had so much in common they'd find something to do together and batman asked and now now i and now i leave and you stay and fud narration i want her all I want is her, and I watch her go, weaving us behind. <laughs> and the last panel is them all just drinking the problems away. At, at yeah, because Bugs one. is like carrot juice, Porky, straight up. And Elberfoot yeah. says, make that two. And Batman <laughs> walks up and says, make that three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I just love it. it, it uh... And, 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 like, Porky, like... yeah. and Porky's like, everybody's drinking carrot juice today. We're going to f- f- uh, run out f- quick. Uh, yep, and the carrot juice is out. Uh, that's all, folks. Well, it's not just you get like the great the rabbit season, duck season thing where Elmer Fudd's narration says, "All I know is everything has a season. You just got to weed the sign, duck season, rabbit season. Then one day you woke up and realize this season is yours. <laughs> that's, that's all, really folks. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> and as a bonus story, they have uh, a cartoon. which Tom King also wrote. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like Batman here was like Elmer, like Looney Tunes jumped into the DC world. Yeah, yep. here it's like Batman jumps into the Looney Tunes world. So, so every issue had this kind of thing where it was ah, that's cool. one was mm. the the DC grittier stuff, or not even grittier, but like more serious. And then you also had a Looney Tunes style in the back, which like this was they they weren't ongoing. So I think they just did like two trades worth over like a year. And like that's like I just think that that's such like a cool a cool way to use the IP in ways that do both styles in every issue. Mm. The, the plot basically is the, the joke with Daffy and Bugs switching duck season and rabbit season. Right. And uh, uh, instead, of rabbit season it's rabbit season and bat season now. Yeah. So and, and substituting ducks all the time whenever uh, 
Bugs tricks Daffy to make it duck season, he shoots Batman instead. And some of the good jokes are like he shoots Batman, and then he's like, "Well, it's and he's like it's rabbit season." And Bugs is like, "If it was rabbit season, then you'd have just shot Batman for no reason. Do you want to be the guy who shoots <laughs> Batman for no reason? Vengeance is the night, Batman." Yeah. And then like later on, Batman breaks out Calendar Man, and he's like, <laughs> "What what season is it?" And he's like, "I'm free, you idiot!" And he just runs away. And yeah, I like that joke him. a lot. Free, yeah. Yeah. and then uh, Elmer Fudd just shoots him and says. And, and they do the classic uh, Bugs dresses up as Batman and goes, yeah. I'm Batman. And the Batman goes, I'm Batman. And they go, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. You're Batman. And then Batman says, you're Batman. Yeah. For the last time, you are Batman. There's only one Batman. It's you. And then, says uh, Batman. Um, yeah. And then Motherfucker <laughs> takes a gun and shoots Batman in the face. <laughs> and then at the end, all the Robins show up and they everyone agrees it's Robin season. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So did you guys like this issue? Yes. I did. I I did a lot. I, I had fun with it. It's one of the things where I was thinking, it's like, this is so much funnier than, like, the Booster Gold stuff, or Booster Gold yes. was making jokes when he killed Batman's parents, where it's like, yeah. it's so much funnier than that, where I was like, can he just not write Booster Gold? And then I was really thinking, it's like, I think he needs, like, something to base it off of, because a lot of the jokes in this were just Looney Tunes jokes. Like, yeah. everyone's joke, it was just like, it was seeing a, a man make, you know, I did, I did see a putty cat. A lot of his jokes in like uh, his uh, his mainstream stuff, I feel like he's trying to ape the Marvel style or like not in. I can ba- see that at best. Like he, it feels like he's trying to imitate like a what like a CW joke, mm. like kind of like well, basically, basically like uh, he's trying to imitate like bad jokes from what what he thinks the kind of humor uh, 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 like a superhero show would have, but uh, he doesn't have the delivery or the pacing or the timing right at, at any point. Yeah, and it's, like, it, this is definitely funnier. It's just, like, to me, this isn't because necessarily of Tom King. Like, maybe he put it together very well, and, like, it's a good noir story. Like, it's a fun noir story. But it's also just, like, the jokes in it were are Looney Tunes jokes. Like, Elmer yeah. Fudd, like, putting the shotgun behind him. It's It's smart to include it, but I still don't think that King's necessarily, like, funny because of it. It's like he yeah. had he had good references, like good material to draw from to make the jokes. Like part of me enjoying this was just remembering how much Looney Tunes I'd watched and all yeah. the jokes, like being like, "Oh yeah, that's right." But do you see why coming off of things like this, giving him the event, like the new event, was like it made sense and like that's why I was looking forward to it because like yeah. I thought it would be like clever and like like he like a lot of the books he was writing at this time it is ridiculous that this also has a woman trying to fix broken men <laughs> it's the Malar thing where you're just like yeah he, like how he always has to include cucking you're you're just waiting for yeah. it <laughs> but like the, i like was really ex- like after this i was like okay i get it he's like he's not he didn't just have one good run like he's a great writer and yeah oops <laughs> i do just want to say i'm reading through some of the comments and uh Someone just said, I'll be honest, I hate the whole idea of this one, but on the strength of Roadrunner Lobo, I'm willing to give it a Roadrunner Lobo. <laughs> oh, God. I thoroughly enjoyed the speed buggy flash issue. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that is, what a nightmare. But, like, I mean, like, Batman Elmer Fudd at its face, it's a perfect book for this show because it sounds so stupid. Yeah. But it, like, does a great service to both of the properties that they use. Yeah. It's one of the examples. It's sort of like with, like, Afterlife with Archie, where, like, Archie and zombies, it's like, how does this work? And then you see it together and you're like, oh, this is, like, kind of fun. Like, comics can make a lot of these 
absolutely asinine crazy ideas like work well yeah. together. And also the thing with the thing that I like about comics too is like you can do something in one issue that like this joke would go stale if this was a whole episode of a TV show or a whole cartoon like mm-hmm. having it just be this quick punchy story that's over and yeah. done. Like you don't need like more the, of yeah. this like after. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it works. Good job Tom cool. King. You yeah. made job, something we enjoyed. <laughs> basing it off other things like D&D and fucking Game of Thrones I'm like, wow, <laughs> yeah, you were good exactly. when you were not doing anything original Yeah. at first yeah. I thought you meant that Tom King had written a D&D like a Dungeons and Dragons and a Game of Thrones story I was like what are you talking about <laughs> I, it's, I it's sort of like with Lucas where it's like you need an editor there it's like yes. pure unfiltered Tom King is t- always too much yeah, well, that's why I think. Or like, like Millar this... needs someone that he can't like throw in incest and baby I think murder. That's why I yeah. think a lot of writers get bad after they become famous because eventually you become famous enough that an editor wants to wants to know to you because you are the sell- you writing what you want to write becomes a selling mm-hmm. point of that book, and so at that point the editor is much weaker than you in terms of any kind of pushback. Yep. Yeah, like he won an Eisner, and then I believe like almost immediately after this, his Batman <laughs> runs to garbage. Like, for, like sincerely. Like, I think it was, like, pretty much right after this, it just, it became garbage. Mm. So, oh, well. What are you oh, going to do? Well. But I'm glad we all like this. Yeah. What, cool. what, a, what a surprise. I didn't want to like it, but here I am. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, I would say. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So, we've made it another Patreon month. So, thank you guys for your continued support. Yep. And it means uh, a lot to yeah. us. Yes. Especially the money. That's my favorite part. <laughs> well, support you. The veneer has come off. Financial support, right? Yes. So. It, yeah, I pay my bills with this uh, <laughs> Patreon. So hey, I God. pay the, the hosting fees with this. Yeah, <laughs> we actually yeah pay for the website to host all of our actual uh, MP3 files and stuff. So this is important. Yes. yes. So thank you all for listening and supporting Divisive Issues. I've been Ryan. I've been Sly. I've been Phil. And I've been Daryl. Stay in Patreon mode. (laughs) I give you...